Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. Kids today, they don't understand electricity. <laughs> they don't understand electricity. <laughs> Thomas Edison, they don't know. <laughs> well, Ed, we'll just go right into it, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, absolutely. Hey. Really appreciate it. I just showed up to play with all the guitars, but we, I mean, we can talk, too. Yeah, we can talk, too. And it's uh, and I'm, I'm okay with you showing up for the guitars, too. I'll take okay. that. That's flattering. I appreciate that. Well, that means a lot to uh, your Dude, voice. if you're talking in the middle and, and mm-hmm. while in the middle you're talking, I just start looking at stuff. <laughs> this room for somebody with attention deficit is an utter freaking nightmare. Look, it's a Sex Pistols record cover. Look, it's a blinking light. <laughs> you you haven't interviewed too many epileptics, have you? No. Good call. And, and some some people have said you made a very uh, room, room that is, you, you won't get OCD guests on here they will not walk into I'm, space i'm not comfortable i'm ocd too really yeah buddy you okay the fact that the four lava lights are not it's really Concentric. really perfectly laid out uh-huh. now the elephant thing drags in alabama and that's cool but it should be centered <laughs> and the fact that it's a laney head and a randall cabinet yeah. i'm bothered by that okay. you got it right over here with the yes, marshall marshall we do we do about behind you there did you notice behind you had the Delaney full stack? Good, drag more into it. Well, no, no, behind you the Delaney full stack, uh-huh. and that's but 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 here's the thing, Papa. That, that's a a Tony Iommi head, okay, a Tony Iommi cabinet, but not a Tony Iommi bottom cabinet. So there's that's not incongruence. I was already put off by the different grill cloth. <laughs> that bothered me. Of course me. you were. <laughs> and that record is the record that made my dad and I. Almost accept each other's life choices. Kiss alive too. Oh, really? Yeah. You brought you together? It was. I asked for it for Christmas one year, and Dad was having none of it. (laughs) Mom, I don't know if Mom talked him into it or how that worked, but I know he didn't want me to get it. Okay. But I got it, and it was that record, Kiss Alive too. No shit. Absolutely, man. I yeah. just looked down. I'm like, oh yeah, Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was, I had all of his records, mm-hmm. so I could listen to all of that stuff. But as far as my record, that was probably the first record that was mine. Got it. That didn't blend in with all the other stuff, the Righteous Brothers and and the Ray Conniff Orchestra and the com- <laughs> the Bob Newhart comedy and Jonathan Winter comedy stuff. That I, was it, man. I know that story. Little mine's a little different, but this, but basically the same. The mm-hmm. same. That anyway, we probably echo that story with a a million other kids from that era too. Yeah, parents were terrified, right? Nice and saint in service, and 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 it's the funny thing is getting to know Paul a little bit in those years. Yeah, asking him those questions, they they just laugh. Oh no, it like was that uh, was all biggest bullshit it like, imaginable. It's like a, it's a joke. B. The parents don't get the fact that as soon as the parents bristle up, the kids are di- more bound and damn determined to get the record. That's exactly right. I only marginally wanted it until my dad hated it. You know? And once that record came in the house, then other records... It was the gateway. ...could start coming into the house. Yeah. I had a great gatefold on that record, though. And that, oh, oh, absolutely, That gatefold dude. is legendary. Back in know? the day when it actually required literacy to work through a record... <laughs> 
you know, a, a Roger Waters record. You What does this mean? Read the book, dude. K, Radio Chaos. I don't get it. That's because you didn't read it. I thought Rush was like that as a kid, too. Yeah. Like the Rush stuff was so... I, I learned about Ayn Rand, that philosophy. Not that I really... Atlas was, Shrugged. Yeah. I, Atlas here, Shut Up. I, and I, I bring this book home, which I never really got far in it at a, at a, at a 13, 14-year-old kid, of Good. course. But I brought it home because it, I was just curious what the hell that was. Mm-hmm. Peter was from another planet. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, and the fact that that was done live with three guys without loops, and it's like, okay, shut up that's that's otherworldly just whether you dug the music or yeah, not right just what technically <laughs> and physically in a linear process was going on when they're in concert mm-hmm. that's that's sick now pink floyd took it even bigger and on a more grand scale but pink floyd had more going on than just three dudes up there from canada they did. Yeah. You had sort of the Canada thing in there, too, right? Oh, absolutely. Canada. <laughs> absolutely. But they broke in Cleveland, right? As a Chris, <laughs> well, Canada, right? Canada South. <laughs> yeah, they, they took a swim. They pulled, yeah, look, we can do this. It's Cleveland. Oh what are they going to know the difference? I love Cleveland. My last vacation, I went to Cleveland. Really? I swear to God. You went the vacation in Cleveland? Yeah. Okay. We talked off air. I have no life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I went to Cleveland. I love Cleveland, and I love Cincy. I, I yeah. worked in Cincy for a little yeah. bit, and yeah. I think the world of both those places. Okay, but it's all the stuff in between that makes me dumber and angrier every time I see it. No shit. Yeah, huh. I'm good in Cleveland, and I'm good once I get to Cincy and get across across the river to Fort Mitchell and all that. Oh, those places are great. Yeah, it's that stuff. It's children of the corn, but like the the videotapes running at an even slower speed. And, <laughs> It's unsettling. <laughs> but Indiana's the same way where my parents live. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. But. Uh, I find it interesting that as soon as you do cross the turnpike into Ohio, it is like going from land A to land mm-hmm. B, just topography-wise, right. Right, right away. When you come up the hill, coming out of uh, like Wheeling or Weirden, whatever, up the hill at St. Clairsville, when you come up that long hill, it flattens out. Yeah. And that's it until you get to Colorado. <laughs> and it's just, that's it. What's the difference? Well, that plant grows in that state. It's either corn or soybeans. Right, right. Or you go from southern Indiana right across the Ohio River. It goes from corn and soybeans to tobacco. Yeah. If you get up towards the Fort yeah. Wayne area, closer to the upper Midwest Chicago vibe, now you're into pig farms. That's what it is. That's right. the place that feeds the, all of the other stuff on either end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's a different it's vibe and there are days that i miss that vibe honestly really sure okay slower reality is going plenty fast enough got it the ability to get a little bit mentally slower just by walking can you do that in western pa can you walk out on your porch and things feel slower and more calm no 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 i it's mean it's getting different. faster too over the last decade or two does it feel that to you um yeah but that's good isn't it I don't know. I mean, all Is the, all the politicians know. say, oh, well, the economy and we're going to have businesses and well, know, moving good, forward. But, but, I, but in terms of just the speed of life in general. You're talking about sanity. Yeah, maybe yeah, I am. Maybe yeah, I am. Sanity. Um, I saw something on TV once, and as, the, as I age, I believe it's more and more plausible. I don't know that it's true, but I believe it's more and more plausible. If we're not careful, all of the things that we own can end up owning us. Mm-hmm. 
and it's a difference between need and want yes we were talking before about new cell phones yeah. all right you need a cell phone it bothers me that i say that but in today's world you need a smartphone right okay right you don't need the newest one as soon as it comes out the right. difference between need and want mm-hmm. we got really deep and heavy all of a sudden we kiss. went from kiss alive too to <laughs> esoteric <laughs> bs kiss, the least esoteric band probably ever <laughs> them in motorhead right <laughs> let's, let, let's make no bones about it we're not here to have anyone think deep here's three chords here's a blood capsule fire <laughs> off we go so i know you will be uncomfortable with this i, I know you don't want to you don't want these accolades but you are part of my musical story in this town really your voice does that get me a guitar off the wall anyways that you're part of my musical story just, in this town turned Good into drive. a carnival show a car, he's breaking the mics he's coming well i don't get a toy i'm just gonna start smashing stuff how but how? your voice man just right it, it, and i i always go to dve you've had plenty of other career uh, uh escapades here in town but i go to that era in dve where I just and it, it starts for me way back with Jimmy, Jim, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Roach and Steve in the seventies, yeah, right. and it just all the way through to the Paulson. And then Paulson got involved and mucked the whole thing up. <laughs> I, I'm going to send him a link. Scott, to this. he said that. I said it. You still owe me eight dollars from Bradenton, bro. <laughs> <laughs> My goal is to get him on here eventually, too. Who, Paulson? When he comes into, comes into town. Yeah. Dude, you know the rule. You want some media person to show up, t- tell them there's food. <laughs> That's it. If you've got a press conference, and you know, well, this is important. we got to get the – it's a sewage treatment bill. How do you get – got to get covered. The less than tell them there's a deli ring. And if you want them to never leave, tell them there's an open bar. Media will show up. You but, know that. Well, it's funny. I, I also wanted to get in touch with Ron Cook. Ron mm-hmm. happens to be my my favorite. That old that old snarky way he has. I love it. Yeah. And, and, and Paul Alexander was like, well, if you let him know that there might be some cold beer, he may he what may, I, may appear. What am I telling you? <laughs> what am I telling you? You want you want a media any kind of presence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food, dude. Okay. Yeah, deli See, ring. Now I'm learning. Yeah. Deli ring. Deli That's ring. easy. I can do that. I can place it right in the middle of the table too. Deli ring and then you know open bar. They'll never leave. <laughs> I'm not sure that's entirely good. <laughs> no, I can, I can tell you firsthand. It's not. But I'm just, if that's what you're going for, that's how you do it. I, I, I want your story uh, as much as you want to reveal it, the comfortable deep dive to a degree. But before that, because we're already talking rock. Sure. You know, you're a guitarist. You're, you're, you're we're, we're, I'm we're a comrades cr- I am here. a crap guitarist. I kind of probably am too to most people that have heard me play. But it did occupy a good part of my life. I am in love with the. I still am in love with the instrument. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. First time I saw a Gibson uh, flame top Les Paul, I still remember where I was. Well, do tell. I, where were you? I was in eighth grade music class, and one of the guys in class stole it from his brother's room and brought it in for show and tell. <laughs> He got his ass beat. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, he came back Monday and and had a black eye. He got the snot kicked out of it. I'm well, sure. But he, we weren't allowed to touch it. But open the case, and that's the first time I ever saw one in person. Wow! It's still one of the most beautiful things. I'm that way with with cool guitars, and I'm that way with bicycles. Okay, those those are my two things as far as just the aesthetics that are available, yeah. much less the functionality. You right on. Get on down the road with that. Okay, there have been beautiful guitars that played like crap. 
Same thing with bicycles. Most of them. Uh, that's because the R&D and the money went into making them look groovy rather than to making them with straight necks. That's, that's, that's actually kind of how I made my money. What? Aesthetics were a very important part of what we did. Yeah, I, I, know. I know. Is that neck straight? No, but look at that finish. It's sparkledy. It's crooked. Play slide. Gibson went through a little era of that. I, yeah. I say that as a, as a, a fan of Gibson guitars, but yeah. there was a... Uh, a period of time but in rock and roll in general for you mm-hmm. what when you were young you know that story about your your dad is great because i can i can relate right what was the first rock record that you had to have or the first band that really turned you on like holy shit this isn't my parents music wow it would have probably been at the time it wasn't even one band and it wasn't even one title for the movement you know this in the media if there's something new well we got to come up with a name for it so that way we have a headline to post right uh-huh. they it wasn't even called punk it was called new wave okay. you remember new wave yeah. okay yeah. the first two <clears throat> police records were considered new wave gary newman oh, yeah. was new wave blondie was new wave the cars or not the cars um oh god what Devo. was it? oh absolutely <laughs> yeah it was this new basically it wasn't nasty it was punk attitude but you could actually play your instruments a little bit it was more palatable to parents maybe there was more to it joe jackson oh yeah okay good stuff good stuff there it was it it was the attitude of punk but it had the lyrical content like adamant things like that uh that was a little bit dancey i i was a word person uh the first u2 record absolutely absolutely when and that got into textures and tones a little bit that wasn't just okay that wasn't just Dead Kennedys. That wasn't just the Sex Pistols. That that's wasn't just a great album. That was a great just, rock and roll album. Uh, Vel- Velvet Underground. <laughs> yeah, I was going to okay. say Lou Reed. You have to like New- you have to like Lou Reed if you're a wordsmith, right? New York is still one of my all time favorite records. Me too. I was telling eighty nine or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Last Great American Whale was on that. Uh-huh. Dirty Boulevard was on that. The Dirty Boulevard. Um, the Jonathan Kale record that he did, I was just talking about this the other day, the songs for Drella, uh-huh. that they got back together, yep. Reed and Kale, for the uh, tribute to Andy yep. Warhol. Yep. Those things were cool. Harry Chapin, mm-hmm. all of that wordsmith stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that's still, there are guys that are still doing that. Todd Snyder mm-hmm. is as important to our current society as John Prine was to my last 30 years. Yeah. There are guys. John, uh, John just passed. John, COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But there are guys still doing it. Jerry so, Jeff Walker just passed away. Mm-hmm. So lyr- lyrical content and words big, big with you, which explained the Kiss Alive two records certainly. <clears throat> All American Man, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is a great track. Uh, so that's interesting, though. That, so, so let me ask you about Rush. Were you in, in, were you interested in Rush? Yeah. Okay. Were you deep into them? Um, as deep as I could be before all my other non-rush buddies showed up okay and huh. i mean there was a geek factor to it i had a roommate no, when i had a when I was, yeah <laughs> i had a roommate at uh, when i was at purdue rush and star trek uh, and that was his world those were the posters on his wall okay <laughs> this cat graduated with two different degrees from purdue in three and a half years Damn. and he had the starship enterprise on his wall <laughs> I love him, Kurt. He's in Atlanta now. I love you, Kurt. Um, 
Rush showed me that it didn't have to be three minutes. Remember the punk stuff? Fucking right. It was like, okay, two minutes at most. <laughs> Don't have to purely. Creativity-wise, it was great because everybody that heard it said, well, you know, crap, I can do that. Mm-hmm. That's the old line about the first Velvets record. It sold 100 copies, but everybody that bought one went home and started a band. Right. And it was like, well, I can do that. Right, right, right. But it went further than just, oh, look, I can do that. It's like, uh, these guys are exploring a little bit. It took you on a journey. Yeah. It was something... But like, why did that? He's gonna he's gonna bust the place up before we're all said and done. <laughs> you can leave that off if you would. Oh like. no, 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 it's a, no, dude. The OCD, it's going back on. I That's told you, great. you know, if you had the damn if you had the damn lava lights lined up perfectly, this crap wouldn't be happening. If I had all the lava lights on that are in this room, if you look, there's four of them up there too, yeah. hidden away. If they were all on, we would bake in here. Like we would uh, freaking bake in here. Um. But Rush, though, yeah. Why, thank you for getting why, back to Rush. Why did they? Mm-hmm. Th- why did they resonate with a whole group of rock fans that Geeks. yes, that yes missed. Yes was popular, but yes, yes, missed those yeah, Rush yeah, fans. For me, I liked Yes. I liked Rush better. Rush rocked the hair more and was, had a little bit less of that symphonic thing going on. Well, it didn't. It had the same symphonic stuff going on, but it was doing it in a less polished process okay kind of like my biggest issue with disco besides the fact that it was of the devil was (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't something relatable it was so smooth and polished and finished and glossy and plastic yeah there there was not i mean was it pretty yes but it was shallow and yes and and yes certainly wasn't shallow, shallow but yes yeah yes had there was a certain polish to it yeah. Where you felt like, okay, Rush, you know. There's there, too there, much going there, on with Yes for me. Like, there's too, like, well, it's that symphonic sound. It's that the strings come in over here. And that's great. Moody Blues the same way. Yeah. I, I, saw, I yeah. tell you what, I saw the Moody Blues in concert. I liked them a lot more after I saw them. Okay. They rocked out more than okay. the stuff you would yeah, hear they, on they the put radio. They sleep. Uh, well, well, the studio stuff. It just right. doesn't do much for me. Right. But Rush, Rush rocked. And there was the straight up. That's three guys. It's unbelievable. They must be pretty good. That bass player is playing that bass line, and I was just starting to get into bass at that point, and I'm like, well, I can do that. Okay, no, I can't. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, and he's also playing crap with his feet at the same time, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, it was that was a whole, but the, but as a, for me, I'm sure a similar situation for you, roughly the same age, it like a, at a 11, 12, 13-year-old boy hearing 21, 12, Mm-hmm. Mine just explodes. Temples I mean, of syrinx. Just the whole thing. I mean, when I when I heard first little, time, actually I heard that. a little scary when you put the headphones. You sit alone in your room in the dark and listen to twenty one twelve with right. headphones on. It depends. That's a little scary, right? Well, if you hung out with the guys in the army jackets back behind the gym, it was just fine, though, wasn't it? This is trippy, man. I like this. Yeah. Uh, you guys see? <laughs> Rush rocked like Rush. You could crank it up if you were cruising with your buddies in the car uh-huh. and it had enough of a bottom end on it. Yes, you'd crank it up if you had a date in your car, maybe. It just not bad, yeah. just different. Just not Caressa Steel. No. Was, that was the one record. I was, this is, you'll, you, I have to share this with Eddie Crow. 
midlife you know, years ago as a single man, I was going back out there dating again, and I had a buddy of mine that uh, happily married guy giving me a single guy advice. He goes, "Dude, dude, you gotta find a woman who's good looking." And she's wearing a Rush Caressive Steel T-shirt. If you find that woman, that's the one. <laughs> I, go, I looked at him like, are you fucking serious? Are you really serious? Oh, well, you should die and I mean, buy a shirt and then walk around <laughs> and it becomes this weird Canuck demented Cinderella slipper trip, right? Put the shirt on. I want to see how you look in this. <laughs> that would have been a good idea. That's good behavior at a mall. <laughs> that's funny. You yeah, need to find a chick. That's the unicorn, man. That's <laughs> got a Zeppelin four tattoo, man. She's Soulmate. <laughs> yeah, and you go to a Rush show, and the, the band would say, "There's not a lot of chicks well, yeah, there back in the day." And you go, "Oh, but I got even a funnier story." Years ago, if you're looking for a scrawny, long-haired, dark-haired, you know, really <laughs> pale guy that's into computers and RC modeling, then that Rush theory would work out perfectly and for air you. Drumming. And, and air, air drumming. And air drumming. <laughs> Is he epileptic? No, he's Neil Peart. <laughs> Wait. Wait, wait! Before I digress, I, I I see that Zach Wild picture that I took years ago of Black yeah. Label Society, and I was at that particular show. That's a good guitar too. Yeah, the the bullseye. Led, yeah, yeah, the bullseye. And, and I was talking to band members. I was think I was talking to John, their bass player, and we were talking about life on the road. Mm-hmm. And I made the comment to him, me being a newbie. I said, "So, man, what's it like out here? The women have to be unbelievable." And he goes, "He's deadpan face to me, Eddie." He goes. You just were at the show, right? And That's I go, well, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, you, I guess because you were in the pit shooting the show, yeah. right, Eric? I was, oh, yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Goes, Did you turn around at all? And I said, I was kind of afraid to turn around. I guess, well, yeah. trust me, yeah. when I play a show, it's awesome. I love what I do. I feed off the energy. But when I look out there. It's like the fight scene of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. That's what he said to me. The fight scene yeah, of the Lord. Right. He goes, there isn't a chance, no chance in hell that I'm finding romantic love yeah. anywhere. It's not happening. I'm going to a black flag show. <laughs> Maybe I'll meet a nice girl. <laughs> Absolutely. Lee Ving will hook us uh, up. He'll, he'll officiate our wedding. Yes. <laughs> That's so stereotypical. But, I know. Well, no, but, but was, that would, dude, you were in the same crowds I was in. That's what those crowds were pantera's crowds were scary yeah i, mean, that, that was, I had that con- it was funny i talked to chris about like you know rock, rock got angry in the early 90s some of, the, well some of it did yeah, not some, all yeah, of it no but some of it did and i was like i, I saw sabbath uh and pantera open for sabbath at the arena on a makeup date in 99 okay and and the, you know so i you think had, i saw that you saw the sat and i was in the pnc box i had luxury i was in the luxury box looking down upon uh, the unwashed masses i right? was I, I think i was the unwashed mass okay well my what my thing was you could tell the sabbath fans mm-hmm. and you could tell the pantera fans mm-hmm. because the sabbath fans they walked to the back of the floor yeah. while pantera was on and they were just going crazy you guys do what you do uh, yeah. yeah and then the sabbath fans made their way toward the front and yeah. everybody just stood there shared a doom and watched the show we're here for the music we're not here to get our teeth knocked out with somebody's forehead but it didn't seem the chris was like really i was impressed he was like no nah, i didn't think it was that was a big deal well but chris all. is a rock chick and i was just like holy that scared the shit out nah, of me chris is a rock chick no doubt. Chris is fearless, dude. Uh, no doubt. Chris and I no shared doubt. an office for, God, six years? Chris is fearless. No doubt, man. If I, if I got to go into a knife fight, 
<laughs> She's on my short list. That's a you. You need people like that. Hey, Chris, help a brother out. She's like, where are you at? All right. All right. Let, let's take it back with you. So, uh, when you when you talked about the first type of music that really resonated, you're telling me that it wasn't really rock and roll. It was new wave. That's what I you identified. Actually, with? the first music I ever and this is retroactive. You know this. As you get older, you realize you learned stuff earlier that you didn't know you learned earlier. Right. The earliest music that Sex. resonated with me, yeah, <laughs> still learning, um, was church music. Okay. Gospel music. Yeah. Where I grew up in the church. That was the first music. And I, I got back to that later. Uh-huh. When I got back into the, the Lyle Lovitz and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that that I had learned without knowing I learned, all of that stuff came back. Okay. Uh, the staples and Mavis staple, all of that southern spiritual stuff. Okay. That I grew up hearing on on radio in my, you know, in my uncle's car. Okay. That came back for me, my own. And you know, when you're a kid, well, that that was stupid. It must be stupid because I didn't figure it out. I just was <laughs> immersed in it. Then it became that, the punk and. Really, the new wave, yeah. So you missed like I the hated, early 70s. I hated early seventies radio. Dick Stones and, the, and who? I, and I, that Zepp- was before my time, though. Uh, I came back later and got a hold of that. When it. I early seventies, I was a little kid. Yeah. All I'm hearing on the radio is garbage. I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. Run, Joey, run! Shannon is gone <laughs> again, drifting out to sea. It's a song about a dog, man. <laughs> What eight year old's gonna sit and go, ooh, this she, is neat. She went riding wildfires yeah. or the All uh, of that. Anything Michael Martin Kiki Murphy D. touched, dude. <laughs> Don't go breaking my heart. It was all and even as a little kid not knowing nothing about nothing, I knew that that was not good for me. Yeah, me too. That me is like there yeah. is nothing about yeah. this. I that, got it, man. I I'm got not it. gonna need any puppy love lyrics later on in my life. So Donnie Austin was lost on you. <laughs> no, I, no I, there was a Marie. Marie had a thing going on with me when I hit puberty for yeah, a little bit. Of course. It, it had nothing to do with Jimmy or any of the others. It, <laughs> yeah, that was little Jimmy. <laughs> they dragged Jimmy on in the show. And here's Jimmy. He made it another week. Yay, Jimmy. <laughs> every every Mormon on the planet just went twitch. You think? I I still can't believe that came out of the Mormon community. If you really think about that, that was that was so risque for the Mormons. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Well, now we're getting political. Well, huh? I mean, here's the deal, though. If you're if John you, Smith was a little risque in the beginning of it, right? Which <laughs> set of plates did you read? I don't know. Whittle them down. Just say don't do bad stuff to people, but you can have as many wives. Go with that. Is that what Efi? Yeah, that's her name. Um, but if you that was a good example if you're a part of a community that's not the norm right and you've got an, an opportunity to put forth a wholesome image and say yes this represents us yeah yeah, yeah. that that's going to help you okay yeah, yeah maybe no, no okay doubt. you're 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 this and that scares me and i don't understand it but those nice family that sings on sunday night they're that so do do you sing <laughs> you're right yeah. you're right yeah I, I just find it's funny that you you say you kind of initially missed the Stones and the Who and Sabbath and came Zeppelin. back later. No, I it was definitely the punk rock before I retroactively. Huh. So let's talk about my, my beloved uh, Johnny Rotten here. So did mm-hmm. you did you when you heard 
this that album broke in England and they hit it. The story was they it was number one, but they weren't allowed to actually say it was number one. When it when it got here in any capacity, right. we weren't hearing it on local radio. Oh no, there was and there wasn't even at that point. There was no established underground. It, now it's referred to as underground. At right. the time, it was like college radio. Right. These FM on right. the stations where you'd hear something like that, and then you'd hear a King Biscuit Flower Hour, or you'd hear a Superstar Concert Series, or right. you'd hear you Doctor Demento. Doctor Demento is where you heard that stuff. That was not even there yet. Yeah, so they but, were. But so, that made people want it more. Exactly. Right. And then they came to do the tour. It was a disaster. It was supposed to be. You know, yes, you know, and, right. then they, and, and everything just ended in San Francisco. Just just died. Yeah. Which, the, but because of the punk ethos, that's what punk bands are supposed to do. <laughs> it is. What were, bigger <clears throat> way to become a mythical figure in punk music than to die behaving well, like a punk musician? I think they only had one record in them. And I, but I and this is my argument when people say, oh, you know, I wouldn't listen to that stuff. My argument is you probably, number one, haven't actually listened to the record. Because right. if you like rock and roll, it's produced like a like a Kiss record. If you, yeah. if you take the tracks, they're almost interchangeable. Which... It's, it's which which helped hide the fact that they weren't very good. No, well, but that but there's no bass on the record. I don't again, think. <laughs> that was one one of the cool things about punk. Like I said with disco, that's so far the opposite of it's it's produced very very well. Yeah, but what most it was. Pe- most people aren't going to hear that. Most people are going to hear, oh my Rotten's god, they can't voice. play. Yeah, and, yeah. and then a voice and, and is a voice. Yeah. yeah, it's like they can't sing, they can't play. That's horrible. That was part of the the punk thing too. You'd listen to a punk record and say. Man, I I can kind of do that, <laughs> and it became like a second tier of creativity. You didn't listen to the Sex Pistols because you liked it. You listened to the Sex Pistols to give yourself an idea to sort something else out yourself. Velvet Underground was the same way. Yeah, so I missed the Pistols. I got the Pistols many many years yeah. later, and I'm like, how did I really not listen to the record? Mm-hmm. I just dismissed this being them spitting on each other or whatever the fans did. Or I, I, I didn't know. Now the pistols I loved. Afterwards, what was the Ramon, thing, Johnny? A pill. Oh, you never you, like, you didn't like pill. I felt like they tried to disco up the pistols. They might. They might. Yeah. It, that thing evolved over time. Yeah, know? it did. Yeah, it evolved over. He's a, he's. A, I I find him a fascinating human being because he lives a very unvarnished life. He just says what he thinks. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He is he's a guy that he's authentic. He is at peace with who he is. And if you're cool with that, okay. And if you're not, <laughs> you. okay. It's like I I have uh, to be the one to, to fall asleep at night. So that's how I'm gonna go did about you see it. Any of the, like they had a really they had a couple of reunions. The, I thought the two thousand seven reunion was pretty impressive. Like it was there was tight. It was it wasn't typical pistols. They were functional. In terms of like live, you mean? In terms of like what they had been before. Okay. All right. Okay. They, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> they were, and that. there's nothing wrong with that. There are a lot of bands making a lot of money that I don't look at it and think they're particularly functional. They, I, to me, they're the only band I've ever seen that got away with using the c word mm-hmm. on national television. Yeah, when they, pretty vacant. They actually would use the English slang version right. of the word "vacant," right, and say the c word, and they got away with it on Leno. Not or was it Leno? It was Conan O'Brien. It was all the big three, and they got away with it. And I thought that in and of itself well, had to be something. Safe, it's safe harbor, right? <laughs> after nine or ten o'clock, I guess. I mean, you can still take grief for it, but technically, I think after a certain point at night, those words are not impermissible. 
They're just That's interesting. I didn't, frowned, know, didn't know that. They're frowned upon. So is it an unwritten rule then? In, in no, there there was a set time after such and such. Like, but nobody would want to be the ones to get Cro- called that out, ah, right? To nobody, cross over, right? It's like the episode of South Park where they're going to say the S word. And they keep track of how many times they said it in building up to the network saying it. And it's just, it, it, it's another word, man. Yeah. Just, just like the, the difference, the word you just referenced. Yeah. Over in, in this in country. Britain. Right. It's, you, that's a word. Hey, you stupid. You know what? It's no big deal. And it's it, all about it is where you're at and what that word means. More importantly, what somebody older than you at some point when you were a kid told you that word means. Yeah. And you can, there's an example of Women that. don't really dig it in this country. I, you women, know what? I don't either. It's a really, well, well I, I don't say it on a daily basis, but. But here's the deal. If that's the best you can do to express yourself. Right. I'm not particularly interested in, in hearing what you got to say. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I can string them together. Okay. <laughs> I can. But if that becomes a part of normal society and conversation there's no exclamation point that comes with those words when you want exclamation points to come to those with those words come up with a better way not a better way but a more clear way to say it yeah whatever it is if if you happen to not care for the young man yeah 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 yeah. good point i heard a a business philosopher i used to listen to jim Rohn had a great statement about swearing he says because i'm not for it against and i'm not making a value judgment i will just tell you if you use it haphazardly in your day in day out business, right. when you do use it and really need it, the you need the gravity of it, it won't be there. It's not there. But the but the father that never swears and gets really angry right. and needs to say it to his child, the child will get the message that the father is pissed off. Right. It's like you, you know? crossed into a new. I, honest to God, maybe three times in my life have i heard either one of my parents use a curse word right on me absolutely too. I can say that and too. i can tell you all three times it was warranted <laughs> and they were absolutely it paints a much quicker picture of the gravity of your situation okay it's like well you know he threw a he threw a wrench i'm in medium trouble oh did you hear what he just said it's way bigger trouble okay so yeah you lose the gravity okay that's those words are like any other words they're tool tools in your vocabulary and your arsenal use them discriminately but if you use them all the time it, yeah. you turn into a a, a, low, a slow-witted paint by numbers dialogue that's, and then no that's one takes boring. you seriously because i think people tune you out no. to the point where they're just you're, they're just not hearing oh. you anymore and it's and, and i will tell you i have some really amazing friends that over the years that have been good people but if you sit back and listen to them like the f word was coming out almost like every two sentences not in a mean way it no. was just part of their it was an it's, adjective it's a versatile word yeah, it's one it, probably the most versatile words imaginable. It's it, it's a noun, it's a verb, it's an adjective, it, it, it's the occasional gerund. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, uh-huh. it's a versatile word. Yeah. But, eh. Um, so back to, back to your story here. So you go through high school and you decide you're going to college. You said Syracuse? Syracuse. Where'd you go? You went? I, maybe I didn't hear that right. Syracuse. This interview's over. I didn't know what you... I thought you told me Syracuse. University of Alabama. Oh, you... Oh, so that's the reference. I'm not even Crimson Tide. Dude, you got it wrong twice. You mentioned the wrong school that has the same colors as the school I hate, Auburn. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That, that, that was fighting words down there. So how did you end up there? 
How'd you end up? What do you mean? Well, I, I I was born in Alabama. I know, right? But I mean, that's where I wanted to go to school. My point is, you have two I big, was SMRT. You have two big choices mm. in that state. So how did you end up there? And not when you're born in that state. Well, at the time, I went to like the end of grade school and high school in Southern Indiana, Southwest uh, Indiana. Okay. Okay. So it was that's where the confusion kind of headed back. That's where Purdue comes in. That's 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 later down the line Got of it. the drinking. <laughs> um, when you're born in Alabama, you're either you're, and it don't matter if you're a boy or a girl. It ain't pink and blue down there. It's crimson or orange. Uh-huh. I mean, you're you're born into that. Okay, and that's one of the two places that everybody. And remember, Alabama still doesn't. But at the time, what other football was there? Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons existed. They were garbage. <laughs> the Saints, this poor you Archie, have to say yeah, <laughs> poor Archie Manning, still having twitches from that career. There, there was no pro football. Um, Nashville, there was no Nashville. They were yeah. the Houston Oilers. Yeah. Alabama football and Auburn football. Everything. That's it, man. Yeah. The sidewalks roll that up was, on Saturday. That was pro football. That bigger than pro football. Yeah, absolutely bigger than and that. It, and it's from that era to now it's even bigger yeah well more more money you know know what the highest paid state employee of the state of alabama is nick saban (laughs) he's a state employee are you serious absolutely that's true if you work for the university you are a state employee the university is it's the state man i get it that's crazy yeah that's crazy and he's doing all right he's doing all right he don't even live in tuscaloosa he live across the river in northport man but they also oh, did the math for every one million they pay him, that program brings in fifteen or twenty million. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, they know what they're doing down there. Yeah. All right. So, so you're at uh, University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll yeah. Tide. Roll Tide. Mm-hmm. Now I get the elephant reference. It's all it's all tying together. Where it does eventually, if you don't drift <laughs> off. <laughs> if I remember to go back to it, you know. Hi, elephant. I should have said him right over here. I could have done that. Uh, and then you'd have some Auburn fan watching this getting all wound getting up. Getting all pissed off. Yeah, uh, your coach didn't know the three branches of government. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Offense, oh, defense, special teams, coach. <laughs> oh, and you're a congressman, senator? What is it? Rock on. Well, when you were in college, what was your goal outside of just finally figuring out a way to graduate, I'm sure? What was my goal? Yeah, your goal. I had no idea. What did you want to do? I had no idea. No idea at all? No clue. Even when you graduated? No clue. Interesting. I know what I was supposed to do. I know what What I studied to do. What did they want you to do? Well, had had I gone about my career path, you mean? Yeah. At this point, I I guess I'd be teaching haikus. To college students, I'd be I'd be uh, something with English, something okay. with writing, okay. American literature, okay. creative writing. That's what they wanted you. To That's know. what I was going to school thinking. Yeah, I, I I'd like to do that. And when did you decide that wasn't for you? When I stood in line at a college bookstore, and the guy in front of me had on a set of headphones, rocking the Walkmans, right, and I can hear the music. And I was so unbelievably arrogant about my musical taste, like we all are. Well, you don't know about that record. I know about that record. And I can hear what he's listening to. I'm like, 
How's he know? That's a cool. I love that. Band. How does he? Nobody knows that band. And we start talking about music, and he's like, "Dude, we play this every afternoon at the, at the college radio station. Ah, uh, okay. And you can get a credit hour if you come do it. <laughs> really? So, and that got me at a college radio station. Okay. And okay, it was." uh sanity assassin maybe it was a bauhaus song it was a bauhaus record but okay. it was not bella lugosi's dead okay but it was bauhaus and i remember to listen and my first job three hours a day three days a week for the semester you got one credit hour it was called a practicum i guess right okay i listened i ran the board for two hours of symphony hall and at the from 10 to the top of each hour i would do news and sports i would do seven minutes of news three minutes of sports and the records had the records laid out had a cue sheet and the guy that did the show would record the opens and closes on cart so top of the hour i press the button the announcer guy (laughs) would announce this record shostakovich or bella bartok right start the record when that record would stop hit the cart to buy time to flip the record over to play the second half and three hours a day three days a week and i learned a lot dude it was so cool because there i was learning about music i had never been exposed i bet this guy the guy that hosted the show was a local tv guy okay and he was his name was broad seymour that's a good very spectacular name (laughs) that's a broadcasting name he looked and acted just like his name sound he was a blazer guy right remember cool cat sammy nover yeah okay yeah if sammy nover had been about six seven okay same guy okay but broad was polish his original name was seymour brodsky his parents came over literally after world war ii his parents came over from poland so he his trip any chance to get eastern european yeah classical it wasn't just beethoven and bach and this german guy and that it it was really good because i had to sit in the room to make sure the record didn't skip so i'd sit there and listen to it Uh, and then this this is cool and then read out loud for 10 minutes and start the next record and that, and that was a process compared to today, which is everything's going completely digital now. Oh yeah, no, I this mean, was this was three different or four different pieces of sound recorded onto a cart, which you know it, yeah, it looks I, like I'm an eight track. Yeah. If you play the first one by mistake, that means you got to go all the way through to get back. Otherwise, stuff's out of sequence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you learned that again that linear process of there's the open this is the first side there's the segue the second side is a different record so put it over here and make sure right and that's where i learned if something goes bad right now what's the first thing you reach for when you're talking about studio work yeah if something breaks if the music stops if the mic goes dead if the headphones go crap what's the first thing you do plan ahead okay i will do this a whole lot easier okay. to stay unpanicked in a studio especially okay. if you're running a zany stupid dumbass morning zoo dingo and the baby stuff where there's <laughs> sound effects on this and phone calls and it, it can get a little squirrely I if you think. don't plan ahead because something something invariably always will go wrong oh absolutely yeah okay. something's not going to work if you don't have two of everything on a live show okay you're setting yourself up for failure okay yeah okay. always you need cables you well how many no you need more than that but yeah I, and, I'm, 
My guitar tech friend Fred goes, when I travel for bands, he Absolutely. goes, we need, we need 12 cables for this show. I have 24. That's right. And I, I've doubled everything. Absolutely. Bottles of water I have doubled. As soon as you don't have, as soon as you don't have stock and redundancy, that's when the crap's going to break. Okay. Always. Okay. Always. All right. So... So you introduced uh, the college radio. You graduate no. University of Alabama. Now what? What do you mean now what? <laughs> you just didn't wake no, up No, that here. was my attitude. I, I, I'm like, <laughs> no. no. no uh, then I uh, went to Purdue, more school. Okay. Same trip. Played soccer at Purdue. Okay. And, that, and that's mostly what the, my best friend from high school was at Purdue. You went for a master's there. Yeah. And okay. that was... You were scholastic, like you. I was. I was a lot of things. I'm not. <laughs> that that was to play. That was that was to go. One, get closer to home. Okay. Two, my fiance had broken up with me. I almost okay. got married when I was at Alabama. Okay. And that, oh dear God, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, do you know what a bowhead is? No. This is going to put some people off. I don't care. Okay. A bowhead. Uh, they exist in the southwestern conference but <laughs> their native region is the southeastern conference okay a bowhead is the girl you see walking down the street on campus next to bryant denny stadium <sighs> she's got on a sleeveless sundress she's carrying her books up here <laughs> she's got on a pair of tree torn brand tennis shoes and she has a bow in her head, and the color of the bow corresponds to whatever color her sorority house's flowers in the front yard are. Okay, I get the picture. That's a bowhead. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oof. Bowheads. <laughs> That's. I can't even go down You're that road. You're trying to say you escaped. I. Her dad. <laughs> I kn- Shot got weddings down there, right? No, no. Um, <laughs> I met her dad, and the second I met her dad, I knew. It's like, this, this is done. This is done. Because at the time, first off, I wasn't where she, I mentioned Northport. Northport's a little even smaller town than Tuscaloosa, right out okay. across the river, Black okay. Lawyer River. She went to school. She was born and raised in Northport. She went to school, uh, private Christian academy in Northport. Her graduating class was like 11 people. Okay, and I'm, No exaggeration. <laughs> The entire school, K through 12, was like uh, like 110 people or something, okay? Okay. So everybody in her life had been in this place her entire time. And here I come, and I my hair's not like the other boys, and I wasn't from there, and I had an earring, and I met her dad, and I didn't know what he did. Okay. And I, I, you can tell you're dating someone. You so what's your dad do? Oh, he works. Like, <laughs> All right, there's an issue. I met her dad, and I said, "So, Mr. H, uh, what do you what do you do for a living?" And he had two jobs. He did two jobs, okay. right? Multitasking guy. He was a life insurance salesman. Okay. You know, respectable work. <clears throat> That was one job. He was a life insurance salesman, and he was a mortician. <laughs> Get the hell out of here! <laughs> no, dude. And my reaction they, they was my reaction was similar to yours, and that's not what he was looking for in his daughter's husband or beau. <laughs> I thought he was joking. 
and I'm on my best behavior. I'm, uh, I'm not being a jackass or nothing. Uh, this, uh, we hadn't even gone for white Russians at the at the oyster bar like we usually <laughs> did. And I, he said that, and I go, <clears throat> right? That was it, man. Yeah, that, that probably ended that, it right there. It was done. That ended it. And God bless you for your indignation. That's the same <laughs> man that poked me with a rake. He what? I was asleep in his front yard. He poked you with a rake? I was asleep in his front yard, and that's how he woke me up. Okay. That was several months later. He did, <laughs> he did you a favor. <laughs> oh, hi. Have, yeah. I don't know if you've ever woke up in the middle of somebody's yard in the middle of Alabama in the summer. In Alabama in the summer, no. That red no. clay sticking to the side of your face. <laughs> oh, hey. Get up. Okay. <laughs> All right, you can't send this video to any. We're gonna have to talk about <laughs> editing because there's got to be a lot. If he's still alive, I know there's a lawsuit. Purdue. I hope he's not still alive. Purdue. Yeah. How'd that go? Cold, man. I bet. Yeah, cold. I, I like that. The sport thing in Alabama was just not good, and there was no chance. But at Purdue, I actually got to do a little bit soccer. Yeah. And you played that as a kid. Uh, I didn't play it because it wasn't around. I played it in high school. Okay. And then I got they had hurt. soccer in Alabama? Oh, uh, no. I went to high school in Southern Indiana. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Castle Knights. That's right. They don't, because they, they don't have soccer in Alabama. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's only so much air in the atmosphere. They got to blow up all the footballs. Come on, man. Didn't you pay attention in earth science class? <laughs> yeah, soccer. And that was, that was cool because, uh, again, my best friend, had been going there and he had talked to me and he's like dude this this other thing you got going on why don't you you know come up here right we're right we're gonna you know this th our team this year is not gonna be bad and uh -huh. I'm like, okay so and we were we were bad <laughs> but i got to play and you know a goalkeeper for purdue okay yeah that two years three-year yeah. program yeah and that's why i can pop my thumb in and out of socket oh, like god that. almighty so but that was fun mostly fun okay I, mean, I was an idiot were you still doing broadcasting were you doing college I was, radio no no no, no yeah no 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 college radio came up then at alabama there was none of that at alabama i was busy with the bowhead and dodging daddy <laughs> and, and running and into like yeah from front yard and running until the coach got tired of watching me puke uh, yeah it's pretty much there's alabama in a nutshell what'd you do i ran till i puked yeah 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 all right so you graduate in your master's, mm. and then what? I mean, I was a bum. <laughs> no, that's not a joke. I was a bum. I had that nothing, man. You just kept kicking around? You didn't know what yeah. you wanted to do? No, I had no idea. I, I, eh. Really? Clueless. Indifference. Well, no, it wasn't indifference. You want to get serious? Sure. Not be a jackass? Yeah, sure. Um, Mental illness. Okay. Yeah mental illness and and just abusing yourself and self-medicating and not knowing why your brain didn't work like anyone else's brain huh and that was what radio was huh? because radio was the first place i had ever i remember clear as a bell i can tell you every detail of it the first meeting i sat doing the college radio got me a job as a board op right Okay. All right. My first full-time radio job, I remember they called a staff meeting. And this is back in the day when a radio station, 
there was a staff yeah that meeting. there was a couple morning guys there was a midday person there was an afternoon there was a night there was an overnight there were three or four part-timers that did the weekend stuff Sounds right like wkrp no it, it, <laughs> it, it, exactly there was a staff that was exactly it really and i remember sitting in and they called a staff and i'm the new guy and they don't know me and i i'm sitting in the staff meeting and I'm keeping my mouth shut and right. I'm looking around and, and for the first and this is no joke guaranteed for the first time in my life I, re, I looked around it's like I'm not the biggest mess in the room uh-huh. okay it's like I'm a mess okay I okay. got I got the bipolar and I got the manic and I've got the clinical and I got all did my medical chart looks like somebody threw up a scrabble board on it okay I remember looking around going, I'm a mess, but damn. <laughs> and I connected. It's like, okay, that guy is a way bigger mess than me okay. in every way. So you had a point of reference now. But he still manages to have a job. Yeah. And that job's going on here. And all of these people, they're they're keeping a roof over their head. They're managing to not be homeless and they're all at least as big a disaster as a human being as I am, right? Okay. But why? Well, I, I can do this. I can make a, my first full-time salary was three grand less annually than the poverty level. Wow. Okay? Wow. But just the relative weirdness and acceptance of weirdness of it, it was a lot like KRP. Everybody had their own weird thing going on but everybody around you was cool with that yeah and nobody made any money the pd was cool enough this was also back when radio stations got service if the new van halen record came yeah. out we would get four boxes of cds for right. van halen right 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 every non non-payday friday we got paid every other friday if it wasn't a payday friday he would let us go in the prize closet and as long as we didn't take what he needed to give away and what didn't take the last of something yeah we could snag one of whatever we got that week and he knew we were going straight to the used bookstore yeah on fulton avenue <laughs> and we were selling it and we weren't selling it because we were trying to get over on anybody we were yeah. selling it because dude yeah. i gotta go get a pack of bologna you gotta eat but yeah. the yeah, mental yeah, yeah. stability was way worth it that's yeah. when you find out real quick if you really want to do it. Because right. a, whole, a whole lot of people think, man, radio is cool. If you think radio or if you think TV or media, if you think it's cool because you get to meet people or you get to go backstage or you get mm-hmm. concert tickets or you get yeah. CDs, you will stop thinking it's cool. Week one. At a, well, <laughs> no, it, it'll make five or six months. <clears throat> okay. The end of the concert summer season. I bet. If you dig radio for what radio is, you're talking about the craft and the function and the creative yeah. side and yeah, yeah, yeah. what can be the creative side if people let you do it, if they trust you enough to know that you'll do the work to do it. Okay. You don't care how much you're getting paid. Yeah. You're, do I got enough? I got enough gas? Dude, I, many payday Fridays. All right, it's payday. I can get my check, put enough gas in my car to start the next wow. week. Wow. But hey, you didn't care. This was a blast. But you man. loved it. Yeah. yeah. The creed and the the cool stuff 
was the cool stuff but real quick it was like man this is theater of the mind i like this this is theater I, of the mind yeah it's, well stan freeberg it's yeah. stan freeberg stuff and it's jonathan winter stuff and right there's no limitation if you can figure out a way to do it where you can keep people engaged paying attention to it uh -huh. you uh -huh. can be as weird and as creative and as the avenues are endless huh. if you do the work and honestly more importantly if you work somewhere where they're willing to trust you enough to let you mess up right. to learn how right. your your craft works right to learn the timing of it and to learn uh joke writing dialogue and all that stuff and that's almost impossible to find i've been really lucky i've worked okay. for a few people that basically said just go do whatever you're going to go do okay but you have to have a little bit of a, a track record with certainly that. certainly your first job in radio is not going to be okay well there's a studio you got four hours do what you want right? you you kind of have to chisel away yeah. to get those freedoms all right and it's much easier to say leave me alone let me do this if you're doing okay if the ratings are okay okay all right the worse the ratings get the more people that don't know what the hell's going on want to become involved I in bet. it because the worse the ratings get yeah. that's money those are the people that become involved now you've got the creative people staring that's up American at the money people business there. that's it man yeah the difference between radio and corporate radio two totally different planets as far huh. as the the accessibility or the willingness especially to, in today's environment oh you yeah know, local radio versus like iheart and radio.com right. the, the corporations right it's i want to say it was 89 whenever the deregulation hit whenever mm -hmm. you were allowed to buy up however much you wanted to buy yeah. up yeah bandwidth radio stopped being run by radio geeks and started being run by banker geeks yeah. and I, I don't mean either term in a negative way right. but that, that's what it was right 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 general right. managers stopped being guys that came up through programming and general managers started becoming guys that came up through sales got it totally no totally different about, point i i get that yeah. completely no doubt about that man there are places that still exist where i'm doing stuff right now Absolutely. bvp mba beaver right. falls that's a traditional i'm left station. i'm left alone dude i know it's brilliant it's a beautiful thing isn't yeah it? it's like <laughs> i i think the theory is we'll give him enough rope right <laughs> but it's wonderful there's so many things about that this station a throwback to a prior era almost right oh before era but I mean, two yeah. or three prior eras yeah and that's the beauty of it yeah. the, the notion that if i've got a question about something going on with programming I don't have to send an email to anybody. I don't I have to wait a week for an email to come back. I don't yep. have to wait for a lawyer in a third city to say, well, yes or no to this. Right, right, Like, right, dude, right. Where's, where's the guy in charge? Okay, Mark, <laughs> come here. Right? It's, it's a huge value. Wonderful. Yeah, huge it's, value. Well, you've seen it because you've worked all, all sides of it. You, right. You know it. Was, it. was the first gig in, in Indiana your first, yeah. your first paying radio gig? Yep. And what, what did you do? At that, at that job, do you remember? What was your role there? I was a fill-in part-time guy on a full-service AC station. Okay. W-I-K-Y, soft, easygoing favorites of yesterday and today. That voice. <laughs> the <laughs> cow sills for your drive this morning on an early, soggy Monday minivan mom target audience. <laughs> That's even before minivans, I think, probably. Uh, they were just coming in. Uh -huh. They were just, It was a cargo <laughs> van that they stapled carpet to the roof. <laughs> But yeah, that was the target audience, man. W I K Y. No shit. Evansville, Indiana. And, hey. how, 
And how many years I, there? Five months. Five months. <laughs> yeah. Five months. But that's because I got offered a job somewhere else. And where was that? That was in the same place, but that was the rock station where I did overnights. It was a house in the corner of a cornfield, a house that they had redone in the corner of a cornfield. And during the winter, every mouse and vole in that cornfield lived in the production room in this house. <laughs> they would come in from there, and you'd go down the hall. On air studio was at one end, production room. You go down the hall, banging on the wall to make sure the when you'd go in to do yeah. production, flip the mic or flip the lights on, you'd see mice just everywhere. And wow. That was in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah. In Mount Carmel, Illinois, yeah. right across the river from Princeton, yeah. Indiana. Cornfields, man. There were two bars in that town. We drank at one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then you broadcast the other one. No, dude, we didn't go near the other. The other one was a biker bar. Ah, okay. And we, okay. we were in real good with the one bar that we drank with. Okay. We had no reason to ex- expand our footprint. Understood. What, what was the format? Like, what kind there, of rock and roll? Yeah. Uh, straight up 80s, 80. If it was Van Halen, cool. if it, all of that stuff, well, until Nirvana came. Uh, killed everything. No, it didn't kill everything. No, the good stuff that was good then is still good. The good stuff that was good then, but it turned out to be crap, that disappeared. Okay, so, v- so there's your, a lot of your hair band music. Vix, yes, yes. Vixen. V- Vixen. <laughs> Winger. Winger. Oh, no, first record was all right. Y&T. <laughs> y&T. If the lead singer had big hair Dave and spandex. badass, though. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, now. I mean, well, yeah. The band itself, I get it. I in get the it. rotation, the spots, yeah. I, on a six-hour overnight. Slaughter. In, in those, oh, God. Up all night. <laughs> Dude, who had the chainsaw song? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. What was that? Um, Jackal. Yes. Fucking yes. Jackal, man. All of that stuff. Couldn't and sing. I was, Nirvana showing up made it a whole lot better, so though, you were, dude. Okay. You, were, you were receptive to that then. What? Like your personal taste, yeah, you were receptive. Of it yeah, because it's shaking everything up. Yeah, because college, it didn't sound like the same stuff, dude. It sounded very punkish, you know. I, I mean, had six hours every overnight from midnight to six was my shift yeah. at WRBT Ribbit. It was the Frog. That was our frog. mascot. Ninety-four point nine W Ribbit. Everything we did, we ripped off from WEBN in Cincinnati because at the time the. Our consultant was the music director for EBN. Okay. And what that meant was all of the sound elements and the parts and the ribbit sound effects and all that, we could get those free. Got it. So we became 94.9, the frog, RBT, ribbit. Okay. But six hours, there would be guaranteed there were going to be four Van Halen songs. All right. There were going to be five ACDC songs. Mm -hmm. There were going to be four Zeppelin songs. And and nothing wrong with any of that. Mm -hmm. But when... When Nevermind came out, some of those docking slots and trickster slots. Trickster. Yeah. All of those kind of went went away. Cinderella. To be fair, what was... Oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. They weren't bad. No, there was one band that I thought I wanted to hate, and I saw them in concert, and they absolutely crushed. Uh, Nuno Betancourt's band. Oh, Extreme. Thinking. Yeah. Extreme. What a guitar player. Nuno. I had no I, idea. I See, that was work the deal. With Nuno. We're playing the songs. I'm like, eh. And then I, they came to show. It's like, uh, okay, these guys. Yeah, there was something going on there. Yeah, these. this isn't 
ridiculous you know there was something going on there for sure and being in the midwest there was going to be four Mellencamp songs. Oh, yeah. Being in the Midwest, there was going to be three or four um, Guns N' Roses songs because yeah. Axel was yeah. well, from Purdue, from Lafayette, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. All of that changed with Nevermind, and it brought in a whole Kermain. new thing. Yeah. Kermain. Yeah. It was uh, just, okay, so let's, it was different. All right, let's talk about that. So, because um, that's always a fascinating era for me. Uh, I come at it strictly from a metalhead, big Kiss fan my whole life, mm-hmm. but, but big metalhead. And I, I was, I would listen to like, you know, because when I would go see a Kiss show, they naturally would have Slaughter opening or Y and T or Rat or was this, you know, so you, so you knew of these bands, yeah, right? You, you saw a buddy had a T-shirt, maybe you knew right? of them, right? Yeah. Now, the, the funny part was for me was that what I, I did kind of, I, I liked Nirvana for the, for the angst and for the, 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 the. the mistuned instruments and all because it reminded me of a certain era growing up 10 years earlier there right okay now i didn't really understand the whole uh and we can talk about this i'm sure you i'm sure you have an opinion on this the labeling of genres being done by corporations right but being pigeonholed in like the grunge thing i never understood because to me soundgarden and pearl jam and they were just good hard rock they bands. Were, they were yeah. They wore flannels and boots, but and, and they came from Seattle. But the content of the music was so different than Nirvana. Nirvana mm-hmm. was smash, smash a bunch of Jaguars and sound like yeah. Johnny Rotten ten years later. That's that I thought it was right. But Soundgarden was like uh, Kim Thayall. That was a three-piece. That, yeah. that band and Chris Cornell's voice, there was some special stuff going right. on there. Right? Yeah, it, it was not the same thing at all. And So was it grunge to no, you? No, no, no. What was grunge to you? Grunge was a marketing term. Bullshit's what it was yeah, to me. Yeah, it's a marketing term. It's like, well, that's grunge. No, it's not. Why, why is it grunge? Because you say it is. Okay. It, it's not. Okay. Nirvana was Nirvana. That's why you got to be really careful, and I think we do this as a society because it saves us time what's easier for most people do you like grunge no well that's a grunge record you shouldn't listen to it well you just saved yourself time by dismissing something you like grunge yeah Uh, that's a marketing thing same thing remember we can't call it punk we'll call it new wave even though it was too joe jackson and sid vicious are two horribly different musical people right yeah but, it, but it's about marketing. Was a heroin act that couldn't play bass. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I can play bass. Anyone can. But it's when you would go to the record shop. Yeah. You know, you'd go through the ABC and find specific bands, but then right. you would go to, well, here's the pile of A stuff. It's in the grunge section. Yeah. I, I it's in the understand. hard rock section. I couldn't find what the fuck I wanted. I would, yeah. In the early 90s, you go to, go to Camelot Music. I yeah. couldn't find what I wanted because it was a new term. Right. It was Well, that's marketing. The Velvet Underground, dude, it's still marketing. Is what's the Velvet Underground now? Nostalgia. Oh, right. Shitting. Yep. You know, it's it. It okay. hasn't changed. The terms that we decide to put on it, okay, have changed, and that's that's straight up about marketing. It's not an accident that you see somebody my daughter's age, twenty three, wearing a a Joy Division shirt. Yep. And then you say, so what was your favorite Ian Curtis penned song? And they stare at you like a dog watching a magic trick. Fascist. Yeah, it's oh, it's a T-shirt. It's you guys 
don't know anything about Ian Curtis or how New Order came around. Or I have my stepdaughters, but both have Sex Pistols shirts because they're cool. They sure. have no idea. They yeah. don't. They and if they actually heard his voice, they probably would hate it. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, I, I wasn't fond of it either. I appreciated <laughs> what it was. <laughs> it's grown on me over yeah. time. But I, see, when that was going on, I was finding bands like Naked Ray Gun out of Chicago. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. be pissed off oh, and yeah. angry and, and still melodic and still you know <laughs> use more than one chord not to offend the ghost of blue reed but it, it could be done i i just the, the the thing is when i when i really dived into that record many years later i mm-hmm. i was really amazed why the never mind the bulk's record was amazing to me it was simple because it was there was th- it was three chord four chord structured songs and it was re- produced well Pro- it was produced on the par of a kiss record for bob ezrin did in 76 which now granted may have helped it was, more than it needed to be held it may have uh, yeah, what's the term they couldn't polish em- the turd they couldn't emulate it live any no. any live concert from that band ever is just, i can't it's, it's no. unwatchable from the air of the 70s it's not even a it's not even a concert it literally and you've seen it looks like a bunch of dudes got up there and just all (laughs) you know this song okay go and had never seen each other before but see that was part of the allure of it it's like wow you can stink but you need one band like that you don't need 20 right that was my argument we had one maybe two or three were okay for that genre but you don't need yeah but now you're into the economics of it now you're into the record label going holy crap never mind soul this many uh, well who's this nirvana okay we'll call them grunge who's this sound garden we'll call it. them grunge that's what who's, happened who's this mother love bone who's this uh well, what was the name of the record well the one band that did, i want to bring i want to bring up to you and get your thoughts on that i absolutely think is just phenomenal that mm-hmm. got lumped in with them and should never have been lumped in when that grunge era was stone temple pilots stone temple pilots they had so much going on rocked. oh my god i dude. saw them here fucking band man i mean you, how could you pigeonhole? I mean, when the second album, when the sophomore record ends up being better than the first one, mm-hmm. and then they start doing real melodic stuff in albums three and four, it was almost like a Zeppelin thing going on, like it, how the tapestry of their career happened. Right, but it, it goes back, what's the easiest way to get somebody to pay attention? It's this stuff, and we know you like that stuff because the numbers show that you sold a bunch of it. And look, they're from here. They're from here. Got they it. must be grunge. Got everything it. in Seattle. And I've read yeah. interviews with musicians. I've, I've heard um, Grohl talk about it. He said after afterwards, if you were in a band in Seattle, there was somebody willing to sign you. Wow. If you were wearing a flannel shirt, they were beating your door down. Just because geography. That's crazy. Yep. Poor Mar- business. Marketing. Poor business. Though. Well, marketing. It's that simple. People don't know what they need or don't need, but you can convince them. Okay. If you spend the time and you figure out what presses their buttons, you can convince them. At that same time, I, I we brought up earlier, right around that time, and I, I do talk about Pantera being the the crux of that, and then mm-hmm. me, years later, having that thing with Dimebag. So I, that's why I'm, it's in my brain. But Pantera was the first time I was exposed to what I thought was slightly pissed off fans, like angry fans. I had seen Slayer in the pits. I, I I was aware of that band. Right. Not real my thing. Not real melodic. Too much like screaming. <laughs> yeah. But the mm. Pantera thing seemed to be resonating with kids. That album, the vulgar display of the power, whatever it was in the early 90s, mm-hmm. was the antithesis, I thought, of grunge. It was the other side of grunge. It's like, we're not going to be, wishy-washy is not the right word, we're not going to be muddled with our sound. 
Right. I mean, you can be muddled and still have fuzz on the guitar, or you can be shred and it gets much more staccato and syncopato and all that stuff and way harsher. And while you're in amps, uh-huh. the difference uh-huh. between my little five watt valve at home yep. and that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That the difference between pickups, yep. single coils, yep. or the humbuckers, yep. or if you can't commit, then you go with the the P's in the middle, right? That's exactly right. It's all those different sounds, which in itself is the beauty of music. I mean, and I'm, I wasn't against any band. If any band resonated with a group of people, that's validity of its own. I don't have to personally like it, right? As long as it's valid, right? right. I mean, yeah, Gigi Allen you... was a nutcase, but there was a small people that followed that dirt ball around and. He was a thing, right? I mean, right. So am I to say that that's garbage? Well, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it isn't valid. If people want to pay for it, I don't know. I don't know. What de- what determines what's valid? How much somebody's willing to pay for it? Pretty much. That's it. the market, right? So you can look at it and say, oh, my God, Cardi B. Well, well that's kind of what I there's, say. There's a whole, I know. <laughs> if, if there's a whole lot of people paying for it, it's valid. Yeah. As a kid, a Harry Chapin record, I have Verities and Balderdash, that was an extremely valid record to me. Mm-hmm. All my friends, they're like, dude, what is that? Yeah. And they'd I, be arguing, I, why don't you play, Can- where's, where's the Kansas record? Where's the Billy Joel <laughs> record? Where's the REO Speedwagon yeah, and Sticks? Yeah. yeah, no, why, yeah. It, why are you listening to Jim Croce? Why are you listening to John Prine? But, th- but that was filling something that you needed inside, obviously. Your, your musical palette was such that it was broad enough that you needed that stuff in addition to everything else, i was interested in stuff that said something that used music to say something with the words rather than depend utterly on well this is my emotion i'll get it out with music and you guys sort it out i like the idea story songs Mm mm-hmm were interesting to me and that was not a lot of heavy metal then no i mean maybe with rush it was yeah but but not no like van halen wasn't wasn't taking you on a journey no (laughs) beowulf and ice cream man have never been compared to each other no you're exactly correct uh marillion yeah yeah great band i mean they're moody blues a little bit but and people try pink floyd certainly and roger waters afterwards with the amused mm-hmm. to death and the radio chaos is one of the sabbath is lyrics early on were really yeah. deep oh and yeah like obtuse almost yeah right i like lyrics that There's told me a story who? and left me quadrophenia is still one of the top 50 records period of all time Forget- 5 15 baby i mean i just did lyrics pete townsend's a complete nut job but he's brilliant. Just read, just read his autobiography. He's, he's nuts, dude. I loved every second of it. Yeah. He, he, he's no one I'd. I'd love to hang out with him, but I don't yeah. know if I would have liked him as a human being. No, you know? no. He's one of those guys. Like, okay, dude, you're you're brilliant. I still want to punch you in the face, <laughs> and I can balance that. But the Quadrophenia was a about, huge record. What for do you me. think about the Stones' overall lyrical stuff? Was there anything in there deep? I think it was all deep if it was simple enough. The early stuff. Yeah. I'm, it's the simplicity of writing. It's the difference between, you mentioned Ayn Rand earlier, or you're reading some fancy English uh, Victorian era writer with all of the proper. Yeah. And then you read somebody like Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. Here's the story. I think the Stones were really good, and everything they did, they brought from the 
the black blues experience mm-hmm. in the South. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Death Letter, Death Letter Blues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There ain't a whole lot of big words in that, yeah, right but on. by the end of it, you're you're still right on tore up by no it. No doubt. Simple words. No doubt. Kurt Vonnegut didn't write in big words. No. Okay. No, none of his work is, but it was good. Yeah, that was my guy. Um. So there's Dylan. beauty. There's beauty in simplicity. There can be. What was Dylan to you? <laughs> That's a complex question. <laughs> well, the word side of it, obviously, he was successful. Didn't he just sell his catalog for? Three or six hundred million bucks oh, or something. I'm not arguing it's success, but to you personally, did, no. you, did you get anything out of it? I, yeah, by association because th- I, I liked when the birds sang Dylan. Mm-hmm. I liked when all the other people that sang all those Dylan songs. I like Dylan, except except Dylan, and that's even before the motorcycle wreck. I didn't. Yeah. It's well, Sid Vicious. You can either deal with the voice or you can't deal Johnny, with the yeah, John, or Johnny. Or Johnny yeah, 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 yeah. Sid had no voice. He was slumped over. <laughs> but I just. With a needle in his arm. I didn't get it, but I saw all of these people that I did like yeah. that really dug it. And I, I knew it's like, all right, that dude, what he's doing is real important, but it's just not, it's it's not a, resonating with you. It's over my head, maybe. Yeah. Same thing with Zappa. I, I, I'm yeah. a Frank Zappa freak, always have been, but I'll be the first to tell you about. Thirty percent of Zappa is unlistenable, man. <laughs> it, it it is. It's it's you you put on the soundtrack to like two hundred motels and you sit and you go, all right, dude, I get it. You're a musical genius. This is making my head hurt. Yeah, I, I feel that way about like some of the Pink Floyd stuff. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. Pill. Like most of this, most of the, there's nuggets in there. Yeah, but one but one song out of an entire album would be actually like okay, I, that's pretty cool. The rest of it's just it's like, like dude, noise. what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, what are you filler, doing? Right? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it's not filler to them. Uh, no, but see, but like Zappa. Oh yeah, Warren Zevon. Oh yeah, Boy, you talk about simple words. And you know, Wonderful I don't know how many. London, man. <laughs> if you can get your point across, uh-huh. Prison Grove, one of the songs he recorded before he died. Okay, it's there might be forty different words in the entire song. Yeah, and it's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. any singer songwriter that can include the word brucellosis, which is like a cow disease, <laughs> that's brilliant. Bru- brucellosis, I oh, think, man. is but it's a disease that farmers' livestock gets. It's okay. like you know what that guy the, <laughs> he weaved that, that in. That's pretty good. That sent the sentimental hygiene record. Okay, I remember. Like, okay, I'm turned on to this guy, and was until he died. Okay, you know? and it's simple stuff. But think about it, Eric. If you go online, you say, "Well, I like this song. This song's got a lot going on," and you print the lyrics to it. Look at them. Most of the, mo, not all the time. Most of the time, there's a lot less there, yeah, than yeah. three and a half minutes worth worth of stuff. Right. Okay. Right. So if yeah, you yeah. can work simple and still work profound, then you yeah, ain't got to dress genius. it up. Genius. Yeah. That's, that, if you can make it happen, that's actually genius. That's John Prine. You that's Jerry Jeff doubt. Walker. Those guys. The singer. The the Todd Snyder's. Now, did you? Um, were you familiar with Jeff Buckley? Yeah. Okay, so Jeff had Jeff's dad was Tim Buckley, mm-hmm. who was the folk singer in Dylan's era, mm-hmm. not as popular as Dylan. He still had some good work, mm-hmm. but I 
I found out about Jeff Buckley at the moment he died. Like that next month, I'd seen the clip on there, and I was turned on to, and I went back and bought the the, the EPs and the live at Cine and the in the, the actual full length record. Right. Blown away by the voice. Mm-hmm. I can't say all the music was. You know, there's a like a Prince type song in one of them. It's just. But what was your thoughts when you heard him sing? Singer songwriter folky. You didn't think his voice was like extraordinarily amazing? Uh, oh no, I thought it was a beautiful voice. But yeah. I, I'll be honest, I dismissed. I didn't dismiss it. But oh, folky. Okay, folky. Okay. And I don't know why, but I've always been drawn vocally, especially if you're if we're talking about slowing down the music right. and turning the damn reverb and the overdrive down. The guys that don't sound pretty. Okay. Tom Waits. Yeah, the gravelly, the gravel voice. Tom's it, a great, great voice. I think he's a great voice. He is all time. It's all him, too. Yeah. And again, with lyrics, there aren't too many people that can have on the same record a song that makes you laugh for four minutes and a song that makes you cry for yeah. four minutes. And Waits has a bunch Dude, of records like um, Mule Variations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are songs on there that you just. Yeah. <laughs> just giggle yeah you know yep. the piano's been drinking not me yep. and then hold on after that it's like oh my god this yeah. guy is all unreal. coming out of the same guy all coming out of the same little guy with the hat uh-huh yeah I, i've always been harry chapin yeah. wasn't, wasn't a great voice john prine certainly not a great voice harry chapin um he, help me understand was it he sang cats in the cradle correct and he also sang the long song um Oh wait, hold on. Which one? They were that's that was his Good, problem. Great point. Great all, point. All of his songs were too long to get on the radio. American Pie. No. Don, oh, Don McLean. Don McLean. McLean. Don McLean. Yeah. Okay. I Harry Chapin confused all the time. Harry Chapin sang. Uh, there's a record Verities and Balderdash. Yes. There's a dance band on the Titanic. He was known for Cats in the Cradle, yeah. and he was known for W O L D. Okay. which was a song about a radio DJ. Okay. About this guy's life going by. He did sequel to Taxi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did Taxi yeah. and did sequel, but yeah. most of his songs were six, seven, eight or longer. His story, I th- I thought I saw some kind of VH1 special on him years ago. He died doing charity work. He did a lot of charity shows. He was always giving, giving, giving. And right. Giving. Is, that, is that how the story went? He was always doing, like, to help this cause, or he was always giving of his shows for Library free. fundraisers. Yeah, and he building. died in an ax- car accident or something. He was he? driving, I want to say, on the Long Island Expressway, and he had a heart attack while he was driving. And Wow. He- smashed into a car and, wow. and that was it wow but it yeah was on he, the way to another charity he was was big about this philharmonic needed a fundraiser yeah. this library needs a, a building built and, and he'd play little shows and as a singer songwriter a small show is better it's yeah. more intimate right yeah. on right on harry chapin playing forty thousand people would be ridiculous for everybody involved yeah mm-hmm. i would think so i think so but Don McLean, different guy, different attitude. Okay, meaning not, not. I don't know anything about him. Uh, All the side that song drives me nuts because it never ends. Well, you know his other one, don't you? Maybe Vincent, Starry Starry Night. Oh my God, <laughs> those were his too, baby. Okay. All right. Like okay. Gordon Lightfoot still gets a check for the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> McLean. Yeah, sundown too, doesn't he? 
Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that's the 70s radio that drove me to punk. <laughs> you better take care. <laughs> You're talking about pretty voices. That guy's got an adenoid condition. Please, t- please tell me, did you Doug Boss Skaggs, right? Because mm-hmm. he was a badass, I think. Um, so Donald, he did a little popish at the end. But. Donald Fagan Moore. Steely Dan. Same guy. Or not same guy. To me, same, same era. era. Yeah. Steely uh, Dan. Boz Skaggs had a little bit of a funky to it that I liked, but the Steely Dan and the, the Donald Fagan night. Well, but who was going in? That was like Zappa's band. Who was playing with them this week? Yeah. Oh, look, Skunk, Skunk Bacter's Baxter, back there. Yeah. And you're like, Larry Carlton on the solo got, from Kid Charlemagne. Still, the, the I never heard anything like it in my life. Yeah. Hey, our guitar player, his <laughs> nickname is the model of the guitar. <laughs> Miss, what is it, 335, right? Yeah. 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 Just the musicianship. But see, that was smooth as all get out musicianship, but it still had a little bit of a groove and a funk going, especially for those two dudes. You're sitting there going, this is coming out of this is cool. But and those Nightfly, and those lyrics, man. yeah. That if you want to listen to the words, of, listen to Nightfly by Donald Fagan. That whole record is phenomenally good. Yeah, I remember being young, being. I had a mother that came out of uh, pure hippie, and um, hey, man. and uh, a father was in the service. I was raised in Long Beach. Uh, my my uncle was a drummer for Gravel in Pittsburgh, the seventies rock band. And wait, you were raised in Long Beach. Uh, Yes, when I was younger, yeah, yeah sk- very young skateboarder, right? Heck, dude, I, I I was back home probably by the time I was like four, or five, okay. So, but, right. but she saw all the cool bands on a five by five stage in the park, you know, mm-hmm. just, they all came over. So I kind of got into the whole. Rock, I had no choice because I was always listening. I grew up with these things on the turntable, right. and then bands in the mid seventies like Russian Kiss was became my music. That was my short story. But it was fascinating to me that listening to these bands early on, that like when my mother would be able to decipher what some of these lyrics were on some of these, so like Kid Charlemagne, I was forbidden to really listen to because I like what was wrong with this song, but it told the story of a, a freaking was it was it heroin or what was the it was it LSD? Was, it was, it the, was not for young ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of songs that were they they tried and the more they tried to keep me from it, the more yeah. I wanted to find. I, well, it, that, right? that's it. That's marketing, man. The quicker you want somebody to buy something, tell them, oh no, that's that's bad for you. <laughs> Warning labels yeah. on record that really helped, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, you go home with the Lou Reed record. What's the name of the first song? Heroin. <laughs> Everyone else on the planet's recording puppies and incense and. <laughs> peppermints and strawberry alarm clock hey, we're gonna meet a transvestite and we're gonna buy drugs and we're gonna play one chord and be really indignant about it oh, it was the total opposite that was what was interesting yeah. about it yeah. yeah lou reed was a force man he was a jackass as a person was he really yeah i got a good story about lou reed that i think i, I would share with you i worked for a, a uh, RP- rest in peace lou uh rps uh, was a the was the first company to take on ups in package delivery mm. they became fedex ground i started there in the beginning my job was to trace down missing packages okay. well lou reed because we must have gave lou a cheap rate went to the facility and sent one of his nice little fender twins to california okay and two months later it never arrived and i was charged by luck of the draw to speak with this human being about his missing amp and let's just say i was thrilled to speak with him for about 
five minutes until he laid into me. Yeah. And he made my life miserable for three weeks, and we never found that amplifier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it he, was his prize. He didn't insure it either. Well, yeah. dude, that's on you. That's say? Yeah. Was, no, not you, Lou, him. But it was Lou Reed. Yeah. Lou Reed. Yeah, and if, if it whoever stole it if they had the sense to steal the packing <laughs> receipt they got more for it there's no question it's lou reed's album or lou reed's amp how do you know here's where his address is where well, i made the mistake early on when i talking to him i'm a young kid i'm 21 i'm like yeah i said sir did you sing take a walk in the wild side he goes i don't give a fuck about the wild side i want my yeah he was just a miserable son of a bitch yes he was and like in real life yes he was really yes he was so let's go there. all my favorite people were just rat <laughs> bastards in real life seriously all my heroes turned out to just be scumbags that's terrible that's a ter- yeah. that's terrible though. it taught me the lesson that don't assume you know somebody by knowing what it is they do for a living okay all right okay it's like well that guy seems like a really cool guy that comedian's funny or that musician seems cool and okay dude you know this in in radio especially coming up in rock radio yeah you're gonna meet all sorts of people and very quickly you're gonna you're gonna develop the skill set to sort out whether or not they're decent human beings i bet or scumbags just like in real life if you walk down the street they're real nice people and they're not so nice people True. It's just that's what's up. George Carlin, I met twice. I loved George Carlin. I met him twice. I got over it really quickly. (laughs) Again, God rest his soul, but he was actively nasty for no reason other than he could be. Yeah. And and you run into people like that too that are just nasty, abusive, just because they're in a position they know you can't do nothing about it. Yeah. So it kills careers too if you if you pop I that think, attitude too early i think that next record that comes out music directors ain't going to be all that in tune with it no matter how good that first record was i'm looking at you big head todd and the monsters big head todd and the monsters todd park Moore. okay yeah that first record was huge great I re- record i remember okay the second record wasn't you know why because everybody found out he was a dick well because they went out and and you know you go to the morning shows and you do that and you play the new song but you got to play this stuff for the fan. He would no. I'm not playing that. I'm only playing the news. And he was yeah, he see, was that unpleasant. Prima, that and prima like, donna shit's unbelievable. It's like, dude, you got one record into this. That behavior ain't gonna. And that was it. Yeah, I I, I talked, was mentioned this with Chris Chris uh, when she was on. I um, for luckily for me, being a big kiss head, when I finally got a chance to to meet Stanley and work with him, he ended up being the gentleman I hoped he was. Amazing guy. Yeah, and you run into that amazing too. guy. You're like, oh my god, this guy that I I hero worship. This guy, he's just a dude. Yeah. Oh yay! And you feel even better about having you know but, invested but, your energies but into Gene, it. Gene, not so. Yeah, much. Yeah, but Gene, not so much. Gene's entire shtick is to be a dick. Yes. That's it. Yes. And he owns it, and he said, this is who I am, and if you don't like it, there and... Yeah. You know, at, least just, he's, at least he's up front he's with that, right? It. He's honest about if it. If you're going to be a yeah. horse's ass, but you're straight up front and consistently yeah. a, a horse's ass, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, I, those little moments you have, you know, where as a, it, not even in the business like yourself, just as a fan, right. you encounter people like that, and you hope they end up being good people to you at that moment right right you hope that they don't 
take their celebrity as a as a shield to be a horse's ass. Yeah. And it's real easy to do, man. Yeah. If if you're a rock star, all you've got around you is people telling you how groovy you are. Yeah. All right? And it's it's real easy to start believing I'm groovier than the rest of the, the planet. Then believe the bullshit. Yeah. You buy into your own shtick. Yep. That's dangerous. Well, when did you get to Pittsburgh? Like, what year did you get here? And did you start it? Was DV your first job in Pittsburgh? Yeah, 96. Okay. Spring, uh, spring of 96. Late was, spring of 96. I remember that to be a, about a month or two before uh, the Kiss Reunion tour. And it, it, I think it was, it was June of, of June of 96 the, when they put the makeup back on and all mm-hmm. that shit. That was the big Pittsburgh event for two, yeah. two, two, two well, nights Well, if it was the first five months until like October or November, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have seen it because they hired me to do nights. Ah, I did nights. Okay. And That's after right. after like That's five right. months... They That's said, right. hey, we're moving you, moving you. The first time I ever met any of the people on the morning show was the first morning I worked with them. Wow, no shit. Yeah. You were out by the time they were in, right? Huh? You were oh, already yeah, gone. Oh, yeah, we had, I knew who Scott was. I knew mm-hmm. Scott and Jimmy in the morning show and I'm, whatever. I knew who they were because at night I would play comedy cuts off the disc, right? Okay. But the first time I ever worked with any of those guys was when they they put me in for a week got it and that's when i met them was the first day and i'm doing uh i was doing sports and well chris same week yeah yeah, okay yeah 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 Yeah. danny coates was doing news and phil kurzik was doing sports and kurz was on vacation went on vacation for the week and danny was about to quit or had quit or something but chris and i both filled in for the week at the same time got it but that Got was it. the first time I met any of those. Wow! So, exact opposite schedules. If I'm doing, I'm doing seven to midnight. Yeah, I'm showing up at two thirty or three in the right. afternoon to prep. Right. right, Those dudes ain't around at two thirty. Right. And Scott used to get there no later than quarter after four every morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and you know, dude, when you do a show, when mm-hmm. you're done, <laughs> get the fuck out. You're, you're done. <laughs> Your brain is oatmeal. The meetings. Come on, you guys were just in a room together for four hours. You hate each other's guts. Let's let's sit down in a small area and talk about it. And it's just like, geez, and it just it fried your head, man. What did you, you love about what did you love about playing playing rock and roll in it for a Pittsburgh audience? I could relate to it. Okay. And that's the quick and they can relate if you can relate. Okay. And Sean, uh-huh. my life became or my life was much less bouncy because of Sean. Okay. Sean McDowell. Okay. Sean made a point. He was the dude. I knew how to get to the grocery store and to work. That was it. Right on. My wife and I came here. No idea. I had never been here. Oh, shit. Dude, when they called me, I didn't recognize the name or the phone number. I didn't take the call. (laughs) When they called and asked if I wanted to interview for a job, the guy that ran DVE, Gene Romano, I'm getting ready to do a midday show. Okay. The secretary comes in. I bet you it's still in my wallet. The the message comes in, says, "Hey, there's this guy on the phone for you." And I'm get, pulling my music and get my my, my my shit together. It's like, no, I'm doing. <laughs> she hands it, and it's a name I don't recognize. All right. And four one two area code. 
which I don't know what that is. But Gene, okay, whatever. I did do my show, and a buddy of mine, real good friend of mine, Bob and Tom's network coordinator, a guy named Drew Carey. Okay, Drew and I knew each other. Oh, shit. And um, okay. I called Drew, and I said, hey, man, you ever heard of Gene Romano? And he goes, what? <laughs> I go, yeah, dude, this dude just called me, and I'm supposed to call, and the message says, regarding a friend. And I'm like, all right, I don't know this dude's name, and I don't know what for uh, what friend could we have. So, And my buddy Drew in Indy at Q95 said, dude, you need to call that guy back. I go, okay, why? He goes, okay, you know what Q is here? Q95 in Indy, WF, I think FBQ. Bob and Tom is where they started. Legendary, still on the air, network, bazillions dollars the whole trip, right? So you need to call. And I go, why? He said, okay, you know what Q is in Indy? And I used to listen to Q when I was at Purdue. It's like an right. hour and 20 minutes, right? Right. I said, yeah. He goes, that's DVE there. I go, really? He goes, dude, you need to call. <laughs> I'm like, all right, what? And my buddy that was our consultant, um, at Cincinnati. Yeah. I called him, Tony. He worked at uh, WEBN, high atop Brog Mountain. <laughs> and there I called him. I said, hey, man, I got this dude that called me and what's up? And I told him, he goes, if he offers you a job making no money, <laughs> take it. And I said, why? He goes, dude, you know what EBN is here, right? And I was driving over. I was driving four hours to do a four-hour weekend shift on, on EBN. Okay. All right? Okay. He goes, it's the same station as far as the heritage and what it right. is in the market and right. owning the market. Right. It's EBN. It's what KLOS and LA used to be. Right. It's right. The MMS, or MMS in Cleveland. He goes, call this dude. And by the end of that day, I had talked to him four times, and he said, we're going to, when my boss, the GM, my boss gets back, we're going to make you a contract offer. No shit. And I'm thinking, dude, I don't even know you. <laughs> and I didn't apply to work at DVE. How'd they find you? You know what a blind box ad is, right? No. Okay. No. Back in the day, the most guarded, the holy grail of a radio station was R&R, Radio and Records Magazine. Okay. Came once a week. Okay. The entire back of it was jobs. There were a lot of stations. The DJs weren't allowed to look at R&R because they'd go in and look at jobs. Got it. The jobs blind box ad would describe the job and say, mail it to this P.O. box. Yeah, we, keep we're, anonymity. We're, we don't want the dude that we're firing to know we're firing yeah. him yet, so yep. send it to this P.O. Yep. box. And they were hiring nights at DVE, and they were hiring nights at the X. Okay. I put together a package, and blind box i've been about a year every friday trying to get the hell out of where i was okay it's like if i'm gonna get out i gotta go if right. i'm not i'm not but i applied the ad i applied for was to work in a modern rock station i applied to the blind box ad for the x got it and my cover letter because i was working rock and roll at the time all my cover letters said thinking well i'm you know applying to work modern rock i dig that anyway my cover letter said, please, God, help me before I have to play Molly Hatchet again. <laughs> and I just signed it. That's all my cover letter said. 
and I get a phone call. DB calls you. Well, I'm talking to Gene, and he's <laughs> he's talking about this job, and he that's so good. We can tell the other one's not quite on the same wavelength, and he's so. describing this job, and I go what radio station are you talking about he goes dve i go is that the modern rock station he goes no okay so it's my it's 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 rock straight rock okay well that's what i'm doing now that's fine too no i love molly hatchet (laughs) no i'm a big fan of molly hatchet i like you know flirt with disaster i i I sing it when i'm having sex that's how big a fan If it gets, out that bump, yeah, bump, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like cleveland boom goes the dynamite <laughs> and they flew us out just wow. i mean literally sight unseen no and shit. said dude what do you, you like i'm looking around going all right i i can do this right this is this is right once they put it in perspective Bro, yeah, it's like man. dude this yeah. this place is every bit these other places that you do know about right but see that made it tough too because Again, going back to Sean, I was the guy that wasn't the guy that grew up here. Got it. So, and you know this, Pittsburghers are... Parochial. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And Sean made all that okay. And and the theory, and I heard it from a bunch of people, well, I thought you were a jag off, but Sean likes you. (laughs) McDowell says you's all right, so okay. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> you know sean would call hey you guys want to go to the ball game? he'd take us we'd go to pirates games and right. he'd show me around right, right, right. and dude you know this if you ever want to get up to speed quickly on the history of western pa mm-hmm. drink beer with sean mcdonald <laughs> because he's I'd got like to i want him here he's got <laughs> he's got heritage he can tell you his stories he can tell you his dad's stories yeah. in media too yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, that was the saving grace. I, and, and you did evenings. That was for your first gig. Seven to midnight. Yeah. Yeah, for about that, five that's months. I remember. I remember you arriving. Mm-hmm. I remember. And that was 96, right? Yeah, spring of late spring of 96. Yeah. Okay. And so then from there, from from evenings, then where did you go? Mornings. That's right. As Morning sports the, director. That's what I thought. That, that's when you started working with Paulson. And, and looking back, I... I didn't hear it at the time, but I remember one of those phone calls with Romano. He goes, so you know anything about sports? <laughs> you got to be shitting me. <laughs> and I didn't think about it. I go, well, you know, I, I know a little bit. That's so good. That's so Why? Good. He goes, I was just curious. All right. That okay. you know, came to light later. He was thinking, eh, uh, maybe okay. something with this. But they okay. wanted to know what, what the hell do you know about sports and sports broadcasting. They didn't ask about that. Just. Okay. Had I ever gone into a locker room and interviewed naked men was the basic question. <laughs> it's like, well, yes, I have. It, you know, as an amateur. But uh-huh. and then five months, four or five months later, they're like, dude, you're doing... And they called me and told me, and he was really up. He told me later, remember, I'm doing seven to midnight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, for yeah. one week, yeah. instead of getting home and going to bed at three, because when you come home from a show, you're you ain't going to bed you're right, geeked right right instead of going to bed at three i'm getting up at three mm-hmm. wednesday tuesday or wednesday i'm crashed right it's like two in the afternoon just dead <laughs> and he calls my wife wakes me up and he starts telling me hey we want to put you in the morning show full time you're going to be the sports director you're going to cover all this and you're going to put that. i'm right. dead ass asleep uh-huh Okay. <laughs> when? And I think at one point I said, when does it start? 
<laughs> and he told me later, he's like, man, I I was really worried that you didn't understand the gravity of this. <laughs> it's like, bro, I was, you got me on an exact opposite sleep schedule. But my wife said, I talked to him for 10 minutes about the new job opportunity and just grunted and whistled and made no sense and oh hung God, up on that's him. That's hysterical. And he's like, you still cool with this? It's like, yeah, dude, I was asleep. <laughs> you know, I've been here five months. You call in the middle of the day. I get woke up. To, huh? I know. Wait, wait a second. So help me understand the difference between the you know, a sports director mm. and, and how you folks tackle sports on a rock station as opposed to how they tackle sports on, let's say, a, fan, a show like The Fan, like or the station like The well, Fan. Well, the, the information is the same. How you package it up is okay. determined by your audience. Steelers okay. winning or Steelers losing is Steelers winning or Steelers losing. Okay. How that gets packaged up. Rock and roll football coverage, right? It's totally how it gets packaged up. The information is the information. Well, DVE figured out a way to do that. When, yeah. it, when, it first, when they first went from TAE to mm-hmm. DVE, I think that's where they came from, right? Mm-hmm. The Steelers. I think. When DVE oh, yeah. signed, I loved it because now all of a sudden it was going to be, inst- like, like Steely Dan said, FM, no static. Right. It was clearly the better way for an experience to listen. But mm-hmm. when they started integrating the show the morning show yeah and having players show up on it saturday morning so, it was mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i didn't know how that would go for and then it did go over i didn't know how it was going to work though i didn't right. view dve and the steelers together i just as a rock and roll fan and a steeler fan didn't well but when you're sitting in a room and you've got somebody coming in that's about your interpersonal relationship with them and part of that the whole sports director trip the guys that we had coming in were guys that I saw two or three or four days a week because I'd get off the morning show. Okay, it, there's either going to be locker room or press conference or coaches right. and go to the south side. Right, right, right. All right, those guys, right. when they'd come in, they wouldn't maybe know anybody else, but they'd recognize me because they'd see me in the locker room Got it. two or three times. Got it. That made it better. And it's, it's about knowing the person and knowing your audience right and making sure the person that's coming in understands what the audience is and just you Mm -hmm. get all that sorted out ahead of time okay but so the info is the info the 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 prep the show prep i think is where most people that enjoy radio when they think about it they Mm -hmm. never think of show prep they just think that you folks just effing show up and just you're on and and, and everything just done. flows no. and, if you're and, showing up a half hour before a talk show you're lazy yeah and it will sound like you're lazy yeah. it can't and i've tried it every rock dj at some point they think i wonder what it'd be like if i went in and did my show drunk right ah okay do it once <laughs> it's the greatest idea ever for about the first hour yeah and then yeah. it's about you can't do it and yeah. and it's disrespectful if you're if you care enough about the right. craft to want to do the right. craft right respect the craft right and uh, if you're if it's a music show you can show up a half hour before make sure you have your music back when you had to pull music yeah. make sure you have your crap together yeah. for when it's time to go yeah but you're uh, if it's a music show you're talking maybe four times an hour maybe 30 or 45 seconds yeah while a song's playing, you can maybe scribble some stuff. If it's a talk show, um, I'm I'm a two for one. Okay. 
if it's a four-hour talk show, I have to prep two hours. Got it. Uh, Got at BVP it. and WNBA, it's a three-hour talk show. Uh-huh. I have to prep at least an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Just I believe it. to know what's going on, know what I, I think I want to happen. Right. And recognize it still could all change. Yeah. But if you aren't completely sure, it's mm-hmm. impossible to sound completely sure. And if you don't sound That's completely sure, That's a good point. what the hell are you doing? That's you ain't convincing point. nobody. That's a good point. You know, you can be completely full of crap, but if you sound like you believe it, right? And you, you got to listen to what you're saying, what you've said, and what you're going to say all at the same time with the variable of somebody calling and, you know, throwing something in that you hadn't thought of. That's the fun of it. That's the crap. That's the the every day. It's the same puzzle, but all of the pieces are a little bit different. No doubt. Yeah, but the idea of coming in ten hours or ten minutes before a talk show. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Yeah. And, and you know what the other one is yeah. too, right? When you hear a talk uh, for the next, this entire day, we're just going to do open phones, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> okay, that translates into. <laughs> They I'm didn't do drunk the work, or I didn't prepare for this. I just show. showed up. I got nothing, and I just need to get to the break so I can get to pee. Do you see? <laughs> That's what that means. You, you do see a lot of that sometimes in sports talk, like you know, right. they're, they're, where they don't have an agenda, like it's open phone Friday or mm. whatever. Right? Well, now that can be a feature. Okay, that like can a schedule, be a scheduled thing, right? right? That can be a feature, and that's like the. The, the voice of the fan or the speaker's corner once every Friday, whatever, okay. and let every, it's like, go. Free, free for all. Right. But if you're doing a talk show, it's your talk show. If you're depending on listeners or mm-hmm. callers, because mm-hmm. remember, and you know this, Eric, 90-something percent, I think 94% of people that listen to talk radio will never, ever, 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 ever call talk radio right never right okay right so if you're if you're basing the content on six percent of your audience okay you're not serving the other 94 percent of your audience great point and it's your show yeah yeah you're in charge of it if it it was the audience's show right they'd be doing it Right. And that's where you have to, and that's and it, ego's involved in it, and respecting the craft is involved with it. No but question. when you go in, that's on you. No doubt. And why no would doubt. you give other people, especially people you don't know, why would you give them an opportunity to somehow tweak with what it is you're trying to do? You're given control. Right. This is my, if it's going to sink or if it's going to swim, it's going to be on me. Yeah. And a real good exercise, and this happened to me once. The guy, right before I was going in, this was when I was at ESPN. All right. All right. Right before I was going, like two minutes before I'm going in. Hey, no phones today. What do you mean no phones today? No phones today. Broken. Wait, no, they're not. They're blinking. You can't use phones today. Do you have a show prepared? I go, ah, ah. And the lesson was... If nobody does nothing, do you still have enough to, to do a good show? show? If you're dim- or if you're depending on other people, you're not taking control of it. You're not taking pride in it. If you take pride in it, you like 
making a guitar. You make a beautiful guitar and you pull a stranger in up the street. Here, put the bridge on. Okay. <laughs> I think in the history of guitars, that may have happened once, once or twice. Not in, not in my world, but I mean, but I know that's happened. You, if you respect the craft, and it is a craft. Oh, no question. If you respect no it, take ownership of it. And that's that's not just true for talk. That's true for everything. If, it, yeah. if you're doing a bat, that was, this is, you know, that was the Rolling Stones, this is fog. See how good you can sound doing that for that 14 seconds. See how clean right. that can be if you're wanting right. to hit the post. You know, there's simple stuff can be done well. It doesn't it. always have to be incredibly complex. There's five different voices right. in this bit and there's right. timing elements and right. you got to pay attention. If simple stuff, it goes back to the simple lyrics on songs. Simple stuff done well is at least as emotionally accessible as the fancy stuff with all the different voices huh, or all okay. the different keyboard parts or whatever it is. I wish I would have had this advice when I started my my real estate talk show down on BVP in sixteen. I mean, because yeah. I, I I got I thought I got real good real quick because I was comfortable. No. But, no, no, when no, no. I, but when I started really re-listening to the shows, I realized yeah. right away, wow, this is not where I want to be, and this is not how I want to sound. Never get comfortable. This is this this doesn't sound professional, and I know that I can do better. And then once I started planning shows and out, that's it, man. You know, it started to flow, and the comfort came even even more then. Mm-hmm. But my guard was really up all the time, and when you let my let my guard down, mm-hmm. that was a mistake. I got sloppy then. You know? Well, it's not letting your guard down. It's believing your own hype. And I've seen that a million times. That was a pretty good shot. When you do get sloppy, you get lazy. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Right? I did. It's that did. it's that rock star thing. If everyone around you is telling you how groovy you are, yeah. you're no longer trying to improve your Amen. craft because Amen. everybody's groovy. Amen. If, if I ever do a show where at the end of the show I go back and I record everything, mm-hmm. everything. Thing. I've got copies of everything on the air. That's smart. All right. I hate listening to them. They make me sick to my stomach to listen to them, but I've got them. If I ever do a show where at the end I go back and I think, you know what, that wasn't bad. And I go back and I listen to it and I think, oh my God, that was exactly the show in my head. If that day ever happens, I'll never do another show. Okay. That'll yeah. be that. That'll be the it. end of it. I get it's it. It's like, all right, I, I figured it out. I've been doing it 30 years and I hadn't figured it out. But all of a sudden, for whatever reason, so it, you really believe in the constant improvement, the, cron- the constant yeah, critical. You have to. Okay. You have to, and I I wouldn't do this if that wasn't part of the fun. There are a million jobs. You want to be a miserable son of a bitch and sit in a cubicle somewhere? Mm-hmm. Right on, oh, man. They're there. Yeah, they're there. B- b- go go do that. But radio is when it's done well when it's done by people that are radio geeks rather than you know overseen by people that are bank geeks there's a craft to it there's a thousand different ways to paint that picture and there's no limitation stan freeberg said television is far more limited than radio television there's edges of the screen right radio the only edges are the ones you put on in your imagination or don't put on in your imagination good point and that gets into the theater of the mind stuff and you can get into you know anything from bob and tom comedy parody bits to fire sign theater there's so much you can do but you can't if you don't respect it yeah, you'll you never, just can't you'll walk never, in and wing it. No, you if know, you cause... think you've got it figured out, 
it gets boring really quickly. Yeah. And we've seen that with musicians, guys. It's like, all right, what else can I do? Bye. But that, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And that's why the sophomore jinx, I think, exists. Not that the talent dries up, as they start believing their own bullshit. That's it, man. You know? Were, the only band that I remember getting better every record until they broke up and I'm in a fireball, um, XTC. Yeah, okay. Okay. The yeah. Andy Partridge calling molding, yeah. molding, whatever. Yeah. Every XTC record I heard was better than the last one. That's hard and then to they, do. And then they imploded. Yeah. That's hard to do. Well, it's hard to do, especially, it's hard to do creatively. Mm-hmm. But it's even harder to do creatively if the first record or the first DJ show, everybody's telling you how great it is. Right. Your motivation to do right. it. It's a lot easier to spend your time, you know, ego-wise. Yeah. Way more fun to spend your time hanging out and having people tell you how groovy you are yeah. than sitting down and rewriting a bit. I, I, in the annals of rock, I would venture to say that most sophomore efforts fall flat for most bands. They right. recover some of them. I mean, but I mean, I think of Zeppelin, Zeppelin two being just a brown bomber. That, that was better than a first. But, but there's not many examples of you that. You got two things going on. One, a band's first record is always going to have all of their best stuff and they've been uh, writing that best stuff since they were 15 or 16 got you know, it. these That's, are songs that we've worked on and they're rocking got it got it now you had now ten, what 10 years worth of material that made one great record all right you got eight months make a second one yeah uh, right <laughs> and you know, you're going Good back point. to the stuff that didn't make the first record Good going point. well this isn't bad but then there's a reason it didn't make the first record right it's real hard to keep going downhill with that or uphill with that, you know. What about the? Because uh, you moved here, you know, yeah. you weren't born and raised in Pittsburgh, right? What is it with this town and the Steelers? I mean, you've got a really interesting viewpoint being a transplant here, right? In the mid '90s and starting to cover that team, why are we so flipping drunk on that team in this town? In your opinion, do you want the sports, they win. the sports answer or the cultural answer? I'll take both. The sports answer is they win, and you always going to, to root for a winner, especially if it's your local winner. Okay, that's since you've been here, the eighties were lean. Well, but it, <laughs> but there was but what four four in the seventies? Yeah, that can buy you a decade. S- yes, yeah, okay? six or eight playoffs. Yeah, yeah, that can buy you a decade. That's one. Okay, but okay. Culturally, socially, and you talk about Pittsburgh in the lean times. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to people. My first three years covering the Steelers, part of my job was to interview people in the parking lots at Three Rivers, and I've had these conversations. Okay. For a lot of people at that time... They're drunk. (laughs) There were guys that used to show up that had no intention of going to the game. A lot of people. They just get drunk. Their buddies would throw them in the back of a truck, and then they check on them later, right? Right. But for a lot of people, they didn't have anything else at that was going good in their lives interesting if you had a job in the steel mill and then you didn't and the economy was crap and you weren't one of the people that said to heck with it i'm going to move to the carolinas i'm going to move do do the florida trip right Right, right. or arizona what else what else did you have but sports right and at the time you didn't even have the penguins you did but you you know you didn't pirates <laughs> that's what there was yeah. and it's the same thing uh talking about football at alabama uh-huh. 
and I don't say this saying poor, poor, pitiful people. I'm talking about there's a lot of people that that's all they got. Right. Their job is in Alabama. The job ain't good. The home life ain't good. The education ain't nothing good going on. But on Saturday, Mm -hmm. it's something to look forward to. It's. They're cling to them. I don't feel like I'm a winner, but my team won, so I get to feel that a little bit. Okay. That's why sports teams are are so ingrained. Okay. Well, I remember feeling that as a kid when the in the mid seventies when the Steelers would win, I would be in a great mood. And if they would lose, I'd go it, to school. I'd be so morbid. You Monday, know? the Monday, Monday after a Steelers win is fine. The Monday after a Steelers loss is, and I've said that on the air. I don't cover them anymore. I ain't got no horse in the race, but I full blown know this. I just heard you giving commentary on the fan the other day, wasn't? Didn't they just call you? Oh, Pony called me and wanted to know about Southern dialect. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. that was great. He's like, "Hey, what's dagum mean?" So I had to that explain. That was yeah. great. Now Pony great. called me. He's like, "Hey, dude, can you explain something?" <laughs> sure. What? Well, hang on, on the air. All right. That was so great. But I have no idea what I was talking about. Uh, talking about the. Uh, People hanging, no, people, how it's so ingrained in the culture and people are yeah. hanging on to every it's, every. it's what you have, man. If you ain't got nothing else. You said in the 70s, Mondays were bad when the Steelers lost. Uh, no, it's now when I covered them. Really? Yeah. You ask any law enforcement official, uh-huh. emergency <laughs> services official, uh-huh. um, emergency, all of them, ambulance, ask them. The difference between a Steelers win and a Steelers loss, and the difference between a Steelers win and a Steelers loss on a night game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The do, do people show up for work the next day? <laughs> but see, that's just it. If if you don't show up to work the next day, and they won, it's an excused absence. Yeah. If this they time. lost, you show up and everybody's nasty. The mood of the city yes. is absolutely connected to what your favorite team does and i'll say this having not grown just, up not just pittsburgh i mean it's, oh no that's that that's it's a phenomenon and it's, it's an american more, well it's more in pittsburgh i think than okay. anywhere else okay and i was very surprised coming up around alabama football i really believed wow there ain't no football fan like an sec football fan it's mm-hmm. for that's, a saturday that's a religion yeah for well it is man Saturday afternoons at, 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 at 11 o'clock. Yep. The RVs would show up in the parking lot at Bryant-Denny uh, middle of the day Wednesday. It's crazy. And just be there for the ball game and then head home Sunday. Come at, I didn't expect anything would compare to that. The Steelers, it's the closest I've ever seen in any pro franchise that comes close to the just absolute – cultural passion icon locked in as a part of the fabric as sec football that i didn't expect it yeah i didn't expect it to be that ingrained right and it absolutely is ingrained Hmm. probably for a lot of the same reasons sometimes life Hmm. in pittsburgh wasn't so great (laughs) dude you've been alabama (laughs) i have been alabama sometimes sometimes you ain't gonna I win. I couldn't get served in Alabama because I was a northern. I heard the dialect. I'd go in for ice cream, and they would just pass me in line. They're like, uh, "Yes, sir." I would 
Okay. That's because you reminded them about that war of northern <laughs> aggression. I got family in Alabama, and I, I love it. It's but, a wonderful but place. But I go to Gulf Shores on vacation. That's not Alabama. Right. And Man. as soon as I enter that, I'm in another world. Yeah. It's totally different. Gulf Shores is, that's the Redneck Riviera. Is what that, seriously, that's <laughs> what it's called. Orange Beach. Yeah, Orange Beach, Dolphin Island, all, yeah. all of that stuff. Love it, Don. That's where Kenny Stabler love made it, his drinking name. Down state, amongst right. that, but that's not. That's got a hint of Alabama, but that's also got a coastal thing going on. Okay, Alabama is when you're driving between one town you've heard of and another. What's the major route? Because right down through the center of the state, I would drive there from Birmingham. Pittsburgh. Yeah, I would drive there to Gulf Shores, and I would go straight down that highway. Well, there's and, two highways. You can either go through Birmingham or go through um, Atlanta. No, I would go through Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. But all the little, when you're driving, saying you're going from Huntsville mm-hmm. to Birmingham, all the little signs you say, uh, over here's this town, over there's that town, coffee's over here, Sheffield's over that's Alabama. Yeah. It's a very rural place. You think about no it. How many, how many towns in the state can you name? Uh, Mobile, okay. Birmingham, Two. Gulf Shores. Uh, Gulf Shores is partial count. credit as Mobile. Count. Huntsville? In Huntsville, yeah. Okay. People know Huntsville because Huntsville is the space program and yeah. Redstone Arsenal yeah, 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 is yeah. there. Yeah. But that, that even that doesn't come to immediate mind. That's not Alabama. Those are those are towns that happen to be in the state. Wow. All right. Wow. Ala- most of Alabama is rural. Is very rural. You know, I grew up in Muscle Shoals, which Muscle is the Quad, quad no, Cities. I only know that from the Leonard Skinner song. Well, right. Fame Recording Studio, two blocks from my grandmother's house. Okay. okay. I used to see hippies standing out. Anytime <laughs> we would go grocery shopping, there'd be hippies standing out in the parking lot. <laughs> Hoping they get a glimpse of Skinner. <laughs> dude, no, no, they, it was Skinner, dude. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, Dwayne Allman is uh, a session guy. Uh, and even as a little kid. Wow. You'd see something and it would jump out at you, and you knew it was different, and you didn't know why. You'd see black guys and white guys hanging out in the same parking lot. Because they're playing music And you didn't know what that was about, but it was different enough it stood out. Right. And that was an error. The quickest way to get your butt kicked wasn't to be a minority. It was to be a hippie. Got it. All right? Got it. But wow. that's two blocks from my grandmother's house. Wow. So I grew up in amongst Muscle all of that. Shoals. Muscle Shoals sound and fame recording sto- oh, studio shit. and Rolling Stones, man. Yeah. Everybody recorded there. But, yeah. But if you're not from, it's Muscle Shoals, Tuscumbia, Sheffield, and Florence, four towns. Mm-hmm. But if you're not from there, you don't know when you left one and went into a wow. different. It's like driving Route 65. I'm in Conway. Now I'm in Rochester. Now I'm in New Brighton, right? Mm-hmm. Same deal. That's mm-hmm. rare. And the only reason that stuff exists, TVA, Wilson Dam, and Wheeler Dam, Tennessee Valley Authority, and yep, Reynolds yep, Aluma, yep. all on the Tennessee River. That's it. The rest of Alabama, except for the coast and except for the big places where the schools are, yeah. they're small towns, man. Completely different culture. Tennessee Valley Authority. TVA. I remember driving on my way to Gulf Shores, Alabama, through there, the mm-hmm. greenest greenest grass i've ever seen in my life that was horse country wasn't it uh western kentucky is parts of tennessee is but you're starting if you get a little bit east you're getting into the smoky mountains but you're talking about so, oh, you're talking about uh, the, the tennessee river river oh, basin yeah man i remember just so lush it was so mm-hmm. lush and beautiful absolutely mm-hmm. it seemed like it went on forever 
Yeah, good times. Good times. Different. Different, very different. I'm so glad that I grew up where I did to get exposed to that Yeah. because that's not – that's less and less normal – not normal. That's less and less typical okay. society now, especially no with the Internet and no the technology and no all doubt. that stuff. No doubt. It's, it's still a different world. Though. For a northerner like me, when mm-hmm. I went down there, I enjoyed it. But I was a fish out of water, though, yeah. you know. And they knew that. And, and they, every, knew, they knew and, I knew that. <laughs> every and, and I bet you everybody was polite to you, but they looked at you funny. Yes. Yeah. Or sometimes they wouldn't wait on me if I was in a. We were, you know, we were we were passed over for locals or yeah. passed over. Was, well, it was probably his cousin. <laughs> I was I, waiting for I'm ice cream. Not, I'm not making a joke. It was probably it, small towns, man. It's his cousin. He's going to wait on his cousin before he waits on a damn Yankee <laughs> or some other crappy Tommy oh, Shaw band. Oh, my Tommy Shaw band. <laughs> yeah, just a di- it's a different culture dude i loved it yeah i loved it and yeah. as i get older there are more things about it that i appreciate more okay yeah but it's slower the pace is slower right the uh, the assumption is people down there are dumb because they nah. talk slow they ain't dumb no. all right they no. talk a little bit slower I but pre- life is slower i prefer the term methodical all right all right all right uh james carville yeah, guys, pretty, pretty damn smart yeah. guy, if you ask me. And if you heard him talk, you'd like, oh my god, who's this hillbilly? Yeah, but yeah. but he was he has that little delay, like yeah. he, he before he opens his mouth, he he takes that extra second mm-hmm. or half a second to to process first. Right. You could tell the wheels are turning in there. He's piecing it, show prep, dude. He's piecing the sentence together before he just blurts yeah. it out. Yeah, he's a Louisiana guy. But it's yeah, he's Louisiana, right? Yeah, right. That's Small, true. a little bitty town in some parish in uh-huh. Louisiana. Southerners have a tendency to take two syllable words and make them three, and take three and four syllable words and make them two. Mississippi uh-huh. ain't Mississippi. If you're from there, you're from Mississippi. Ah, uh, okay, 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 a, okay. You know, a, a bell. Anywhere else, it's a bell. Right. In Alabama, who rang that bayol? Uh, it gets added on. And you just change the word as the mood seems. That's fascinating. Yeah. That, to me, that's, the, that's what makes America great to me. Yeah, the it's, differences in, in, in the regional nuances are unbelievable. Well, that's that's what they called about the other day. Who's the butler? Is he one of the coaches? See, I don't have to pay attention to that crap anymore. <laughs> butler. Uh, one of the coaches for the Steelers. I think that's the one. Okay. But those guys called me and said, hey, help break this down. All oh, right? yeah. And they played whoever the first guy was. And I'm like, I've never heard of that term. Most Southern terms are one of two things. Almost all Southern terms are yeah. one of two things. Yeah. They are either wonderfully warm, fuzzy, Feetner. quaif. The, the, Finkner, Finkner, the, the, the yeah, Finkner, yeah, Finkner. That's he, the offensive coordinator. Okay. Well, he used the term a, a fart in a skillet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's what that's the fuck that's that crap. Is. That's crap. I never heard of that before. Right. Here's, he make that up? No, I'm, I'm sure he heard it from somewhere. <laughs> but a southern phrase like that, that colloquialism stuff, it's either wonderfully quaint uh-huh. or unbelievably vulgar. And uh-huh. 90% are quaint. Okay. All right? Yeah. Bless your heart. Have mercy. Those things. Right. Those are quaint. 
Yeah, the ones that are vulgar are so grotesque. They, they don't come up much, but yeah, you hear them. Right on. All right? Right. But then there are others, and then they played Butler's tape, I think it yeah. was. And at the end, it's like, dude, where's he from? I, that's legit. Where's he from? Daggum and doll gang. And I heard you say that. That's it, man. Yeah. That, I don't know where that guy was from. They told me where he was from. He's from like 45 minutes from where I was born in Alabama. So he's from um, not Demopolis or something. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's that's legit. Whoever that dude was. Uh, yeah, the fart in a skillet. No, you wouldn't say that. Well, he was talking about uh, wide receivers that are just like running their routes just very loosely and are all yeah. over the place. And he said they're hopping around like farts in a skillet. <laughs> and the guys on Pony, them guys were just laughing their ass off. They like, wait, what did he say? Yeah. No, that one. That one. <laughs> ain't helping the cause but the other one with daggum yeah and doll gang and dagnabbit uh, and dagnabbit gall darn and yeah all of those those are it, i told him it's like this is like listening to my uncle yell at me okay it's part of lexicon yeah it's part of there. the dialect and it's you I gotta it. understand it and words yeah you ain't from louisiana you right. from louisiana yeah are you from Baton Rouge? Oh. No, I'm from Baton well, Rouge. Uh, Louisville, 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 Louisville. L- Louisville. It's like one syllable. Yeah. Louisville. Louisville. One and a half. One and a half. Yeah. And like, if you, but if you say it wrong, they'll correct you. Absolutely. Nashville ain't Nashville if you from Nashville. It's Nashville. Nashville. Just like Louisville. So it's like B-U-L. It just falls off at the end. My sister-in-law married an Alabaman. They played for Alabama football, I, I think, and then... They live down in Atlanta now, and to hear her grow up, and I grew up in this town, so I'm a Pittsburgher, right? And to hear her now adopt the Southern accent the, the, after thirty some years, the little draw. But to say the vol, it's like to hear her say like you know vol. It's, like, it's, it's, it's so it, it's mind blowing. It's you know? not v i l l e. It's v u l. Yeah, vol. Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Yeah. It's it's just it's just. Yeah. It's, just, it's just different. Right. It's the same, but it's just different. It's different emphasis, you know, the different emphasis on the different syllable. <laughs> it's And it's a cultural, it is, man. It's a cultural thing. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I, the first time, like, when I'm talking about coming to Pittsburgh, my wife's like, oh, my God, this is what it's like on the East Coast, isn't it? These people, they all talk so fast, and I don't understand. Everybody's rude. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, it's just, it's not where you're from right you came up in a rural area where everybody more mellow and slow it didn't have the pace yeah and yeah then not too long after we were here she went to philly and she came back and she's like okay you're right this is an east coast philly's yeah. east coast yeah well i i think we're kind of in a medium right bent here wouldn't you you've seen it all i mean this is kind of, would you agree it's kind of a medium pace here in pittsburgh are we still on a slower side oh no it's at least a medium pace okay it's at least that Okay. I mean, there's a whole lot of places. Well, New York's insane. Boston's insane. New York is brilliant Philly. for two and a half days. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And two and a half days in New York, and we did a, uh, between DBE and ESPN, all that, a bunch of trips to New York, right? Mm-hmm. Two and a half days, it's wonderful. By the end of the third day, get me the hell out of here, man. <laughs> there's just, there's, there's too much going on it was too uncomfortable to all the time yeah just you know the ocd was really tough to 
to enjoy past the third. Philadelphia is a weird state. Like I, I understand Philadelphia. If God was going to give the Philly. world an enema, he would <laughs> shove it in Philly. People, I, I, I don't argue with you. People think always oh, sunny in Philadelphia is a comedy. No, it's not. It's a documentary. It's I, a horrible place. I went back. Uh, I, I will not disagree with you. Sad to say, I have friends there, but they know how I feel. I. I got my first taste growing up um, and getting my driver's license and then immediately driving to uh, the Playboy Casino, in, <laughs> which, which took me through Philly on the Skullkill Express. Skull, yeah, that Skullkill Expressway, yeah. yeah oh, the, my and, God. And it was the most horrific stretch of highway yeah. or expressway or whatever that you want to... I mean, and that a 16-year-old driver probably shouldn't be driving his mother's Dodge Omnion. <laughs> no, God, dude, you were a target. There's no question. <laughs> I I had not been to Philly, and I had since been to Philly. Philly, God love you. It's the most miserable place. Everyone there, every time we had to go to Philly. And this wasn't them blowing us crap because they knew we were from Pittsburgh. These were just people, we're in amongst them living their lives. Right. Just miserable, angry people. Why? Though? I don't know. Why? I went there, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Was so much funnier after that because I realized, my God, these, this, this, these are horrible people. I don't like this show. And I came back from Philly. Oh, now I get it. This is this well, they, is Philly. They are this. I mean, how can I mean? You were in the business. Yeah. Are they the worst sports fans in America? They booed Santa Claus. <laughs> they cheered Michael Irvin getting a broken neck. There, dude. <laughs> we, we talk about if you're going to be an ass, at least take ownership of it. Uh-huh. Credit where credit's due. Philly is the worst, and they are very proud of being the they worst. The and at any opportunity, badge. they will demonstrate how bad they are. A badge of they, honor. They do own it. They okay. they really do. Yes, it's a horrible place. Yeah, Flyers fans are mercifulist. Merc- I covered a, a few games there. Okay, for the yeah. Pens. Yes, playoffs and, and big games and, yeah. Now you you were at um, 1250 ESPN for how long? Five five or six years. Me, okay. and, me and Junker, and then they yeah. changed it up at the end yeah. when they fired Mark, and then they moved Junker in with Stan and moved Scott Paulson and Mike Logan and me all into afternoons. Okay, okay, clear then, as mud. Were you? Did you? When you say you moved Mark, you mean talk about Mark Madden? Yeah, when yeah, they did, fired did Mark. You, you worked with Mark for a while. Uh, yeah, few. I've known Mark since 96 he probably is the most polarizing in my lifetime right for those of us who have paid attention to that stuff right he was always polarizing but i got a chance a couple times to meet him in person and just not the same person right i'm not trying to say he's a wimp or anything i'm just saying he wasn't the same person mark that that the, the persona on tv and radio was I'm trying to think of a way to say this to get my point across and not get Mark wound up at the same time. No, no, I understand. Uh, I think the world of Mark, I love Mark. There is nothing that I wouldn't do Mm -hmm. if he asked me. He made my life infinitely easier. I talk about Sean McDowell. Mark was another one. And everything I just said, if I said to him, he'd take a swing at me. All right. All right. Yeah, right. On. There's nothing I wouldn't do for that guy. Right. And right, that right. guy made my life. I knew Mark. I didn't know Mark as as a wrestling heel or as yeah, any. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark was the guy. Now remember, coming here. Now I'm covering sports. Yeah. I'm covering hockey. 
all the crusty old print dudes that are yeah. covering hockey, they're giving me the stink I won. Sure. I didn't grow up here. Two, Good point. I didn't work in print media. Three, I worked at it. What the hell does a rock and roll station? <laughs> what the hell, right? That's three strikes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to name names. I, there are three or four people out of that group that I wouldn't cross the street to pee on their head if their neck were on fire. Understood. Okay. They went out of their way to give me crap just because I showed up. Right on. And you know what happens. If you're, if you're treating me like crap, mm-hmm. all right, if that ain't going to change, well, now I'm going to give you a reason. Right? <laughs> of course. Mark was the guy covering hockey. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, at the time, I knew nothing about hockey. I liked it and I understood what was going on, not because of hockey, but because uh, the mechanics of it were similar to indoor soccer. So I understood it. Right. Right. He's a soccer buff, too, I think, Mark, right? He's he's a Liverpool guy. Yeah. 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 I'm a man, you guy, so oh, don't bring Christ that up. Almighty. Okay. But. Mark I'm an Arsenal guy, so there you go. <laughs> Dude, you, you guys might get relegated before this season's done. I know. We'll hire the guy that used to play for us. He's so good looking. <laughs> Mark and I, and I didn't know crap about hockey, so I knew. I'm just holding the mic over people's heads. I'm getting sound to chop up, right? Okay. But Mark and I would talk, and it was never about hockey. Or it was Yeah, it was never about hockey. we talk about English soccer. And there were dudes, and Myron, in his own weird way, did the same thing. There were guys in that room that hated Mark. Most of it was jealousy. Because, dude, that's if you want an ego testosterone room, to hell with an NFL. Get a whole bunch of sports writers together. No doubt. All right? No doubt. But there were guys that, hey, Madden's actually talking to that new guy. Maybe, maybe he's okay. Now, there were people that said, oh, Madden's talking to him. He must be a jackass, too. Got it. But Mark... He he didn't know he was doing that. I was just some new guy that right. actually showed up that knew, you know, who Kevin Keegan was right. and knew who right. those guys right. were. We were talking soccer. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Myron there did was this, your connection. Yeah. Myron did the same thing. There were a whole mm-hmm. lot of people that didn't want to put up with me, but they'd see Myron talking to me. Got it. And, oh, well, okay. I guess I got it. And, got it. And Myron got it aces yeah yeah now was he a mess can i tell you some story oh yeah oh yeah but i heard ge- of you <laughs> but guess what dude especially that era legend is tom boy. there was nobody that wasn't a mess yeah and that was just standard operating procedure but, I understand. but myron for some reason took a shine to me that made my life a lot there were people that tolerated me by not calling me names that would have if they didn't see me sitting with Myron or sitting, sitting with Bino Cook at Three Rivers. Well, Bino. he's an ass, but I I, I guess I can't say that because Bino is there. Bino's there <laughs> with a plate of bacon. <laughs> Dude, I watched him, I swear to God. Someone right, else told me that too. Right hand to God. Those hats you wore, man. I'm freaking uh, the hats. I didn't know who Bino, I didn't know Bino was from Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's a pit pit guy yeah. all i knew him from was he's the abc he's the guy when army navy plays right he's that guy he's right. he's the dean right right and i get here and i'm sitting it's sort of been the harbaugh days right three yeah, rivers yeah, 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 yeah. and i'm sitting and it was a one o'clock start one o'clock start means they feed the media breakfast you get sausage eggs bacon that kind of stuff right, right, right. four o'clock start you get you know different meat 
but I'm sitting there and I don't know nobody. I'm sitting at a table by myself. It's like a bad after after school special, right? <laughs> the lonely sports geek. That's and, great. And at the table, that's great. And I found them all later. Myron Cope, Hillgrove is sitting there. Uh, I think Quattrini, okay, uh, Steelers PR forever. I, I think he was there, and it's Beano Cook. And I'm sitting there, I'm freaking out, man. I'm like, that's Beano Cook. Look, you guys, that's Beano Cook. And they're looking at me like, shut up. Yeah, it's Beano. And Beano Cook, right hand to God, on his plate, there was only bacon. And Eric, if if it was one piece of bacon, it was six (laughs) inches deep. It had That's to be great. three packs of bacon on his plate. And at That's that point, great. I'm saying, I don't give a crap what Tom Zack does. I'm going to watch this old man eat bacon. And that's what I did. He ate bacon so from before good. the game to halftime. He ate an entire plate, no exaggeration, four inches deep. Wow. It was way – his stats were so much more impressive to me than Mike Tom Zack's at the end of that damn game. But getting to, yeah, getting to know those guys. Yeah them tolerating me for whatever stupid reason they decided to uh-huh. that that made my life a lot less crap i bet and mark was mark was the same way i bet and yeah i would give give my right arm for that dude yeah and he, he'd he'd punch me in the face with it if i handed it to him <laughs> <laughs> that's who he is man i get it mark gets it yeah mark gets it it I, doesn't matter if you're listening to me punching the dashboard screaming obscenities you're listening and his background you know the heel stuff with wrestling yeah it's a show man it is a show it's a show it's a show and he really is in tune with his character that's it man you know that's it and he's not nearly the rat bastard that that he appears to be he's capable of being that and i've seen him genuinely yeah go off yeah but as a human being now I think the world of him. I think he's brilliant at what he does. He's got the commitment and the chops mm-hmm. and the willingness to do the work. But most importantly, he's got the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. And the venue he's at right now is the X, right? Like, yeah. It, it seems like they give him more latitude, I but, think, than he's ever seen prior. I don't know if this is true or not, I but know. I would. I'd be willing to bet you that was decided before Mark ever started there. I bet. I guarantee it. Yeah, I would think it probably was. My show's my show, knowing him. And that my situation at at BVPM, Uh same deal. I know. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. It's like I'm going to, and if I screw up, I'll be the first to say I screwed up. Yeah. But errors of aggression versus errors of complacency. Right. If I mess up, it's not going to be because I'm lazy. It's going to be because I'm trying. Right on. And if I keep trying, I'll get it right the next time. And it goes back to that trust thing yeah yeah yeah. if nobody's first job in media is going to be a job where they say oh man you do it however you want to do it got it okay you basically got to force your way into that with being a pig-headed sob and being successful well and for the the listeners and those watching the show you have just taken the position uh you've accepted the position of uh the teleform show from noon to nine to noon nine to noon monday oh, through friday am 1230 wbb am 1460 WM, WM, and yeah, now yeah, yeah. 99.3 fm presented by, by st barnabas, barnabas. <laughs> see that was a year ago i was, yeah. I was saying I, I still have it in there yeah. <laughs> oh dude it's it, it's a little puzzle pieces you just move the segments around in your head yeah and, yeah. The, and this show is 
is is this new new ground for you in terms of content no. in terms it, well yeah in the sense that nobody tells me what i'm supposed to say or not say yeah and you're all look man you're always going to have somebody say well you might want to talk talk about this more yeah. or talk about this oh well, sure that's fine sure, sure. but i'm never you're not micromanaged that's for damn i'm sure. never told what opinion to have yeah love that all right love that and i i can't i can't lie love now that. you you uh what's the word you you crank up the emotions mm-hmm. if i'm talking about subject a and i believe in whatever subject a is i believe in it right but i i believe in it but it's not that big a deal well that isn't going to convince you to believe in it if i'm using that as a topic i better damn well sound like i believe in it right and that doesn't come by yelling i believe in it that comes with the confidence and the presentation and the structure and all that stuff right but being told okay i think this is bad well you need to say you think this is good no i can't i can't i've i just i can't do that and it's it's a lie yeah and think about this man when you were a kid it's not even that i mean yeah i'll dress it up and say it's because i would never lie to you that's not what it is I don't feel like keeping track of the lies. It's the hardest right? thing in life. You, yeah. learn, you learn that when you're young, hopefully. Right. right. It's If I tell you the truth and piss you off, next time I see you, I'm not going to have to worry about, okay, what did I tell him that didn't piss him exactly. off when I wanted to? Exactly. And then it gets all hazy. Exactly. Just tell the truth, put it on the table, and it's the same thing. I can't tell you, I think this is great if I actually think it's crap. Right. Because somewhere down the road, I'm going to say something contradictory. And yeah. somebody's going to say, well, before you said it was it was crap. Now, no. Nah. Yeah. Tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might crank up the emotion of it just to draw attention to it. Right. But never take a position that you don't at least a little bit agree with got it if you can't take a position that you disagree with for the sake of the show mm-hmm. you're doomed yeah you're doomed i, I would agree 100 percent. yeah you're you got no shot because you can't keep track of the crap yesterday if, yep. it, if it wasn't the truth if yeah. i tell you something yesterday i'm gonna think the same thing today yeah well it, when you believe something and it is the truth it, it, it's it's, an, it's natural right you can maneuver through life naturally yeah there's no stress. There's no anxiety. This is just, it is what it is. I may be wrong, but this is what I believe to be true. And that's why I said it. Yeah. I, don't, I can't keep track that's lost of the crap. On, that's lost on, on even, even adults at this, <laughs> at, at, at this, you know, at this age that we're at, mm-hmm. it's still lost on people. They're still dipping and weaving and maneuvering all every day of their life. Mm-hmm dodging prior lies mm-hmm. not a good way to live trying to keep now nah, you get real busy looking over your shoulder instead of looking forward that's all and you the, can do looking yeah over your shoulder and that's never good that's i almost got into politics we're not going to do that that's, that's all right no, no that's okay um before we wrap this up because first off this has been fantastic mm-hmm. um i want to get your thoughts on where radio is at today mm-hmm. and, and what's your thought of of new media and uh, yes internet-based podcast video podcasting audio podcast content providers yeah i don't buy into a lot of the influencers and i'm a content creator I, there's a lot of catchphrase bullshit terms out there eddie that i just kind of laugh at if you have to tell but, someone you're a content provider you're providing nothing to the content 
If you have to announce you're an influencer, you're not. There you go, man. There you go. An influencer is somebody that makes other people change their way of thinking by the behavior. You will never make somebody's way of thinking change because you told them to do it. Right. Right. It's it's, the truth. It's that simple. Now, as far as new media, that's about monetized, dude. That's that's yeah. about that's about money. Because we're in it, but I'm kind of not in it. You well, know what I mean? Like I'm not in it. The, the, money, the money part of it, I'm not. The ratings. It used to be, yeah, back in the day, <laughs> it, it, it was about ratings and it was about average quarter hour number and time spent listening and all of that stuff, right? Metrics, right? Absolutely, and, and the psychographics and demographics. The, you know, the little book that you would have to fill out who you listen to. It's not just that anymore. Okay. Now it's how many clicks. Well, okay. our Facebook. And the only reason that became relevant, the only reason things other than average quarter hour or time spent listening, that's not as relevant anymore. Anytime you have one thing and then you have several other things, that one thing's less important. Okay. 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 Clicks mean billboard on top of the page. Okay. It's monetized, mm-hmm. and it's packaged up to be monetized. We used to only sell commercials for our radio station, but if you buy right now, you'll get commercials for the radio station. We will post stuff on our Facebook page. Look how many clicks we get. Look how many reactions we got. Okay. Those numbers are now a part of the economic equation. Got it. So right or wrong, how valid they are or not, when money becomes available, when you've monetized something that wasn't valuable to you, it just became valuable to somebody. Got it. Okay. The danger is when radio stops being the least important thing that a radio station does. Okay. All right. There are radio stations that the on-air product is secondary or even no possibly question. tertiary to how many Facebook likes did we yeah, get? Yeah, yeah. That's when you start to lose me on it. At that point, stop saying you're a radio station and say you're a multimedia conglomerate or what Correct. the hell ever. Or a web company. Or a web that, company. Or I mean, you're, it's all about, and this is heartbreakingly simple and heartbreakingly crass, it doesn't matter how good the product is if there ain't money being made. Yeah. All right. Your yeah. situation yeah. doing this because you love it. Yeah. That's not the norm. Yeah. 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 You can. Yeah. And shows being on or not being on are a perfect example of that. I've known radio shows and TV shows that were brilliant, but nobody paid attention to them. Guess what? They go away. Yeah. I've known TV shows. Dude, turn on network TV. Look, it's stupid people doing stupid crap, and there are judges, and there's one guy in a paper mache. (laughs) One, they're cheap. Two, people watch them. So guess what? Why? I don't get that. I don't get it either, but... You know, it, it, what was it? What you, religion used to be the opiate of the masses? I'm convinced now it's variety shows. Yeah, but if people watch it, it's it's, it's to me this will sound even more crass. It's now it's it's. I think it's because we are mentally lazy, lazy. Yeah, like especially when it comes to who, what we choose for entertainment. Right, we're really lazy. The dumbing down of America can only occur if America says, oh, okay." Yeah, I mean, and like, and make no mistake about it. Just, if you're stupid, they'll find something for you to watch. They'll find something for you to listen to. If you're smart, 
it might be a little tougher. And don't take that personal. Yeah, I get it. It's easier to sell. P.T. Barnum, no one's ever gone broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public. Absolutely right. If garbage sells, and remember, that's the number one thing, Yeah. for better or worse. I mean, when it comes to getting paid, that's that's for better for me. Yeah. But if that sells, keep doing that. If a variety show works... Why would you hire a staff of writers to write a documentary or to write a good, a, point. A, a, good point? It's cost. It used to be cost per point. Like how much does it cost to have one point of ratings? Now it's how much can we do this show for and how much can we make? Right. And it's no more confusing than that. And if the American, the American people will tell you, dude, they will tell I know, you. But it's scary that what, well, they're, what they're telling us now is, is the last couple of years is kind of scary. Okay, it's not scary. It's scary to you because you're not falling in line with that. Okay, your opportunity is it's niche programming. Yeah, this isn't programming for dummies like you know yeah. the world's best singer on TV, <laughs> and you can get away with charging a little bit more because usually. A target audience for a higher scale in, intellect, it's a little bit higher earning power. Yeah, it's a little bit higher, it. and they'll pay it. They'll pay a little bit more. It's a free app versus yeah. a five dollar a month app. But we're but but we can as a society make good programming and interesting things like you know national. Listen, I know there are bottom lines on all these networks. I get it. I'm not just not saying that that doesn't play the driving force in everything. Mm-hmm. But Nat Geo can can make shows about investigative reports going into like drug cartels and and really do things. I'm not saying they're of value because that's subjective, mm-hmm. but they're doing things that are interesting. They're not there for titillating purposes. They're there to maybe expand the way you view view the world or a part of the world you may never experience. I don't need to sit and watch another celebrity who's a celebrity because I'm told they're a celebrity sing with a mask on and guess who they are. I don't know who the fuck those people are. I don't care. You see what I mean? Like I, we, but we can make good programming. But it's not your dollar they're after. They don't need to be after your dollar. They've already got enough dollars, and especially if you're comparing, this show makes this much. How much does it cost them to make? It don't cost nothing to make. It don't. We ain't got to send anybody with a camera to the Serengeti to shoot a Nat Geo special. Okay. We can just have a bunch of guys in Burbank writing saying. up stupid stuff. Okay. And yeah, world's dumbest Most home sitcoms. videos. Most yeah. sitcoms, yeah. And it's how much do you want to put into the product? How much can you get out of the product? Okay. It's There's always going to be something that somebody will go, yay. And if you find a formula for it, no matter if it's dumb or, like you said, it's subjective. Is it entertainment? Not to you. Right. Well, all okay. the people that watch it, clearly clearly it is. In their mind, the last thing they might want to do is watch a Nat Geo special Got or it. watch a political thriller. Some, okay. pe- it's, some people want to yeah. learn more. Some people want to. I get it. We're differences. I, differences. I, I watch cartoons. Yeah, I don't I watch anything other than cartoons. Are you familiar at all with Joe Rogan? And the, oh, yeah. Uh, so you're familiar with the Absolutely. proliferation of his show? And, yeah. Okay, so. And selling it to whoever he sold Spotify it to. Spotify for $100 million. I, I don't begrudge any, him any of that because to me, he did the long form conversation when it wasn't cool. Right. Or, and he, I guess my point is what I love about what we're doing is that. We're told that we're, we have to absorb everything in this world via soundbite. 
we and we're not and we don't do critical thinking much and we mm-hmm. don't make good decisions often because we just grab the sound bites of bits of information and we make decisions. We read the Big headline decisions. and the headline told me everything that might pre pre exempt yes. yes. Here it's just the opposite. Yeah. And but people I think there's a thirst for long form, relaxed conversation. People want to eavesdrop in on this stuff. Oh, yeah. Rogan's proved it, man. Yeah, there's a voyeur trip to it, but the voyeur trip only works if you get the impression that the people doing it are actually being straight up. Yeah, like right? real. Yeah, if if I'm sitting here ranting about whatever and I keep turning to the cameras and giving it a thumbs up, I'm I'm no longer real. You no. lose that eavesdropping vibe. Mm-hmm. No it's, agendas, man. That's my thing here. Is I just I, I want the real story. I want an agenda, but I haven't picked what I want it to be yet. <laughs> I've been looking for an agenda for 30 Good years. Point. Good point. I don't know. I, I just I love the medium, yeah. but I don't know. We could be doing this 10 years from now, or I might be gone next year. I don't know, but I'll do it on my terms. You see what I mean? I, I will do it based upon my own terms. Well, but you're in a position most people aren't. You're, yeah. I mean, most people aren't in a position, and I got that when when I went on furlough from KD. I had a lot of people. Well, why don't you do a podcast? Well, okay, yeah, you're you gonna pay to, me. Yeah, you have absolutely. So this is a hobby, right? Yeah, no question. I, I just don't. I don't want a monetary component because of what comes with it. And I think often, expectations from where the money came from. You mean uh, expectations about content? Like if it, it, hypothetically, right? Let's say uh, X Y Z car dealership comes to me a year from now and says you know we, we want to be your sole sponsor for x amount of dollars we want you to enter start the show with our logo and end the show with our logo we'll make you a nice sign to hang up whatever yeah i i don't want to edit anything i want the unvarnished conversation right they're not gonna like that well but i don't want to cater to them see well, but here's the deal do what you do if it gets enough attention they're going to buy into it and when they buy into it you can have you those conversations well but it's not pressing in quote unquote the real world mm-hmm. you kind of got to play those games if i go on the air tomorrow of at course. bbp and i say something oh, yeah. bad about uh, shell cracker plant MVP, okay i get it i get you're it. in a position to, what's that my div, my give a damn's busted mm. all right mm-hmm. you ain't got to mm-hmm. take the car money yeah. So that puts you in a position to say, okay, here's what's up. Here's what I do. Mm-hmm. If this gets said, basically explain to them in a really nice way. That's what I, Rogan did. I'm, ta- I'm taking your money, yeah. and I will make sure that people know that you sponsor me, but you have me dick all <laughs> to tell me what to say, what not to say, yeah. And, yeah. and you can write it in a contract. And the first time you call me and say, well, you know, the boys in the in, uh-huh. in the loading dock didn't care for that. Then I'll just tear up your contract. And, but that's been happening to Rogan. If you right. know, if you watch that, Spotify is pushing back, and and but he's like, look, I, I am what I am. I told the show you, show is what I what yeah. it is. And if they if it's a if they think they can get enough uh, juice out of advertising for you, yeah, they will. If they're concerned about advertising with you, except when you say something bad, mm-hmm. well then. You, they're wasting your time and you're wasting their money yeah to even argue about it yeah I it's mean, it's like having well think of a an auto racing team yeah if my car is sponsored by stp that's great but 
STP ain't going to tell Richard Petty how to drive the damn thing. Yeah. All right. It's yeah, it's yeah, like it's point. like it's like Bernardi knows said about his sponsors with Lobby Claire the sort of front sponsors don't ever tell me yeah. how to do what I do. If Make you got that pull understood. to do that, yeah, I got pull well, to do well, that for that's, sure. That's just it. If you're in a yeah. position where you can do that, yeah, you gotta. If you're not, yeah. then I, I I I like I think my my gig is I I want to be interested to talk to to who I want to talk to. It has to be interesting to me or I don't want to do this right. because I'm not being paid to produce some kind of can show for XYZ firm and send it off to them every week. I don't care. Right. I have no deadlines. There is a wonderful freedom in yeah. financial apathy. Yeah, good phrase. Yeah. Take me to, to school today. To not, good. to not have to worry about well, we've got to do this show and we've got to get these ratings and, and if we don't, we don't get the money and you know Ain't gonna get the That's game. a rat race to me. That would be a full, oh, that would be a full time job, which I kind of already have. That yeah. <laughs> I don't want it here. If that makes yeah. any sense. It, but, well, it is a full time job. It's twenty four seven, three sixty five. Because uh-huh. I, I mean, I walk around with my day. I'm always. I mean, my brain translates it now. I won't see something and go, "Oh, I got to write notes and talk about yeah. that." Tomorrow. My yeah. brain will translate. All right, I can use that tomorrow, or oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to use that, or everybody's using that story, and right, and I want. No, no, I understand that. Yeah, well, and I have friends who have podcasts in town. I've been on a couple of them, and I believe me, I support anyone's desire to to make it a profitable business. I'm I'm on board. I'm a capitalist. I right. get it. It's just not for for what I want to do, what it, I want to accomplish here. I I don't want to do that. You're trying to sort out where your line is between art and commerce, dude. Yeah, I'm heavy on the art right now. Man. The real, the the the, re, the fact it's, that we can come in here and talk on varnish with no bullshit. I, right. I like that, and no well, one telling me I can't swear. I can't that can say be that. your that can be your art, but you've got to understand that will put off some of the potential commerce. And if you've made your yeah. peace with that, yeah, right on, and that's sellable too. Donald, things could change down the line. Yeah. Establishment is sellable, but so is anti-establishment. Yeah, good point. Well, yeah. Yeah, good point. It's a very good There's point. There's no keyboards on that record, and when that record came out, everything had keyboards. There's no bass on that record. Do you know that? Uh, it, well, he played the sixth string on the, the electric. The, yeah, like he plucked the six. They they multi-tracked because Vicious is not on there. There's only the, the there's three people on that record. It's a crap <laughs> record that needed Polished. to exist. Polished the turd, man. It it's needed exactly. to exist. That's but what they did. It's not light. I'm not going to go home and go, yeah, <laughs> I feel like jamming God Save the Queen. <laughs> I might. <laughs> no. no, when I, my music, uh, if I'm li- if I'm riding my bike with the uh-huh. headphones, it's, it's pretty rocking stuff. Yeah, but if right I'm on. just hanging out at home, yeah. it's almost... It's almost all words. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. in a huge Bare Naked Ladies retro oh, mood. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are That's hysterical. And it's poppy as hell. Yep. But it's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with pop. If it's okay. good pop. Nick Cave, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Nick Cave. I, that, I still get you know, that haunting early 2000s Volkswagen commercial. Do you remember that? Uh-uh. They used one of his songs. Did for, they really? Oh, go back and look at that on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, good stuff. I say, I, when you see that, when you see a song from your youth that you thought was super cool, and it shows up on a commercial, yeah. are you not? Uh, part of me is, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> but then the, the business part of me is, all right, man, you made a couple bucks for that. Absolutely you know, right. Vampire Weekend, right on. You made way more on commercials than you ever will, you know, selling Amen records. 
buddy, I appreciate it. I, I thank you for giving me so much time. This was awesome. Was it okay? Amazing. You're going to edit out the, where I said booger? No, I'm not editing anything. Booger. <laughs> <laughs> Come back and see me? Yeah. For sure? Yeah. Did, did, you, have, did you have fun? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I got a free hat. I got three free hats. Well, I want to, here's a little, here's a little uh, radio thing. If you say it on air, sometimes you can, you can press Head, the issue, right? Headwear talks. Yeah. Right. I'd like to get a couple of you uh, DVE alumni on here. I wouldn't mind it. love having you and Chris, maybe you and Sean. I'd like to do an individual show with Sean. I'd like to do some things with some other folks from that station Yeah, because it's important. You know why? Uh-huh. It's fascinating to me. It's Is part it? of the landscape of my life as a music appreciator in Pittsburgh. And you folks well, now have you hit, stories. Chris has been on. Scott is in Fredericksburg. Yeah, I know. Right. We're going we're gonna to try um, to work that out on his trips back here. A Zoom meeting is ass, man. I don't know if I want to do that. There's something organic and visceral oh, about no, that, this. Oh, no, that's true. Do you think? Yeah, oh, no. It's very you know, different. There's a, there's, patient. there's a connection that you don't get by looking at a screen. Uh-huh. That's why uh, if you've got to do an interview, phone interviews suck. I know. Yeah, it's so like here's the list of questions, and you're going to pause. And I mean, there's no body language to read as you're talking to the Absolutely person. You right. can't see their reaction Absolutely visually right. to what it is. McDowell, yeah, you gotta get Sean. I'll, I would love that Sean. Right. I want to do a one-on-one with him. But I, as you notice, there's two other seats here. Right, they have a couple of you at the same time telling war stories, and, and rock, that would be a blast. I would, I would welcome anything, anything. I can tell you this story about the time <laughs> Michelle Michaels made an intern cry. Um, Chris told me a story about oh, me great. that I had forgotten Love about. That Michelle on. I was talking to Chris a couple nights ago okay. on the phone. She goes, you remember that time Smash Mouth took your pants? I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> The what? lead singer from Smash Mouth took my jeans and didn't come back with my jeans. Holy shit. At the Brickyard. Brick, we covered, We went out Brickyard 400 in yeah, Indy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had no recollection of that at all. Wow. She's like, dude, you remember when the di- Smash Mouth stole your <laughs> jeans? I go, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. They wanted to go and you had to have jeans to go into the pits and we yeah. had pit. Yeah. So the guy borrowed my jeans and just never came back. Wow. It's like, Chris, all I remember, I remember this ribeye steak sandwiches at the booth <laughs> right next to where we were parked. And I remember it took us forever to get home, wow. but I don't remember anything about uh, 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 about my jeans. She goes, you remember when Richard Simmons slapped you? <laughs> And I said, yes, that one I remember. <laughs> How could you forget I, that? <laughs> Richard Simmons slapped me, and I deserved every bit of it. I offered him a pack of Pop-Tarts. He was he was deeply upset. Uh, come back and see me, buddy. Anytime. I'll wear, my, I'll wear my short 70s Richard Simmons disco I'm exercise. Count, I'm counting on that. All right. I, All it, right Ed. Dude, it just got weird. Quit. Thank you, buddy. Friends, we're out. Where am I waving? Over here. There's, there's cameras everywhere.